in five, four, three, two, one. Obi Trice, real name, no gimmicks. Who are you? He had a voice that could make a Wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute, I know you. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your Huckleberry. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. You're excited. Feel these nipples. That boy's good. Mm-hmm. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos, motorheads, geek bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. All right. All right, all right. Welcome in Friday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show. Here on 1450 The Big X, it is April 15th, the Ides of April, if you will. And we've got stuff to talk about, as always. We'll be here until 6 o'clock. We want to hear from you on the Thornton Sex Line, 502-414-1450. Basketball news, football news. We're going to have Keith Wynn hopping on at 4.30 to talk about this latest run of success on the football recruiting trail and what it means and what it does not mean and who's next and all that good stuff. Before we do any of that, got to say hello to my guy, your favorite, Louisville's favorite son, Trevor Kelsey is behind the glass. As always, TK, how are you? It's Friday, baby. That's what we're starting with. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> He's got his Blue Jays shirt on despite last night's. Well, we, hey, we split Not the great. Still, no. Ugh. Let one get away. Yeah, shot ourselves in the foot multiple times last night. Uh, looks like, uh, I mean, I don't know why they're so mad at your boy up in New York. They, they, he's getting, they're getting enough offense done, at least. They're fine. They'll yeah, be okay. They'll be all right. I mean, Dylan's killing it. Pitching coach saved his job maybe last night a little bit, but the Yankees was- lead the MLB in percentage of barreled hits, so barreled contact. So Dylan Lawson's getting it done up there. That's I all that matters. Didn't know that was the stat. Oh, it is. Everything's a stat now in baseball, even more so wow. than before. I was going to say everything was a stat before, but now even more so. It was, but doing well. Doing well. How, how was your Thursday evening? You want to know who's not getting it done? Who's not getting it done? Cincinnati Reds. Season's Ooh, over. They got beat again, didn't they? I declared it last night. Season's over. I can't watch this team. Can't watch these guys. Jonathan India got hurt. It's all. It's, it's done. Did. It's over. I turned it on. I think it was in the second inning, and then I got distracted and stopped, started watching Con Air. It happens. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, which which leads me to something I was debating last night with some people, which I'll bring up to you in a little bit if you want later on, but. We'll see maybe for the 5 o'clock distraction hour, if you like, or something. Or, well, yeah, <laughs> the drive time hour, the distraction can, or, hour, or, or, only or can, on this show. Or I can plant the seeds now. Sure. Better uh, 90s action cage movie, The Rock or Con Air? Con Air. Really? You, you answered that pretty quickly. I don't right? like The Rock. I like Con Air. You don't like The Rock? Con Air is self-aware, what if, I feel like, and The Rock's not. <laughs> what if I threw Face Off out there? I like Chase Off. <laughs> I still go with. I like Con Air a lot. Yeah, because I, I, I picked the wrong competition. Yeah, for I would have had to think <laughs> thought about it a little bit longer if you said Face Off originally, but I still would have gone with Con Air. I couldn't. I'm, man, I I threw Face Off third easily, and I think it came in third in most of the people I was talking about to last night. But like, how many people have you discussed this with? <laughs> 
Not many things come up interesting in my life on a Thursday night. <laughs> it makes you feel better after Connor. I watched Empire Records, so that tells you, you know. I like Empire Records I, a lot. I, I like Chris Rock. I like baseball. Do you like baseball? I like Empire Records a lot. <laughs> I do too. I don't know if I like it better than Connor. Between Connor and The Rock, I'm just. <sighs> then I got into the debate on which 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 between between Connor and The Rock, which one did Nicholas Cage have the hotter girlfriend in? Did you just call him Nicholas Cage? Nicholas Cage. Because <laughs> um, he, I mean, he has. I got, don't even remember the girl from the, from the Rock. To be perfectly honest, uh, I forget her name, but she's she's uh, she's pretty attractive. I'll say that much. I always I always leaned more towards Sean Connery's daughter in that movie. She's the girl from Meet Joe Black. Oh, she was gorgeous. Yes, she was in Meet Joe Black, and she was in Mall Rats, and then she like disappeared, like was never has never been seen again. I think she's hanging out with Monica Pottier. Which was his girlfriend in Con Air, who disappeared after like the nineties. So I believe, yeah, it was the teacher from Matilda. I think so. Yeah. She was also in Along Come a Spider, I believe, it was with Morgan she was. Freeman. Same yeah. person, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, we've so there you sidetracked go. already. I appreciate that. <laughs> You're welcome. Just get it out of your system. So, so text line: Con Air or The Rock? Tell us now. <laughs> uh, I'm rocking the Colorado Avalanche shirt for a you reason. Yeah, Lanch won last night, so I'm, I'm fully focused on Lanch. I'm over the Reds already. Done. Is it officially the playoffs? No, no, no. They're still they're going to be the number one seed because. Don't they start before the NBA, though? They do. It's getting – they still have – I think – I don't know if it's because there was, like, a lockout or it start, they started late, but it, it, they still have the regular season going through the end of April. Okay. Yeah. Is that normal? They're, I feel like they, them and the NBA playoffs are typically about the same time. The, yeah, because they, they – well, anytime usually starts, like, a week before the NBA, and the NBA playoffs almost always start mid-April anyway. Yeah, I don't know if this is due to, like, everything getting pushed back because of COVID or if this is how it I, – I, honestly, I don't have a – a firm time frame of when this usually starts, but I know that they have still a couple weeks left in the regular season. Maybe it's against the NBA because the NBA now, for some reason, thinks they need to have 20 of their 30, 20 of their 30 teams in the playoffs. People like it. That 16 was too many. People they like it. should have cut it down to 10 to begin with. People like it. Just saying. <laughs> uh, we got U of us stuff to get to today, and this is... <laughs> first of all, the, the elephant in the room, yeah. and something that was asked to me multiple times leading up to today in the early hours... The early oh, early hours, like an hour uh, ago. Yes, the, the the Trevor Kelsey early hours of the day, because this yeah. is still this is like eight a.m. to you basically right now at three eleven p.m. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I went to bed. Probably I, I could have almost stayed up in the KRC this morning. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> Are you aware of the big news in the Louisville basketball world today? Is it anything to do with Nicholas Cage? No. Is it anything to do? Do you with really not know, Danny Man? Uh, I really, for a split second, was like, <laughs> "I got." You. I think you don't know. I got you. Hey, now how did you find out, though? For the well, I, I will say this. I'll answer that by telling the the person that you sold seventy five percent chance. I won't know on Twitter. <laughs> I did know before that. Oh, I really wanted it to be that. One of the things I do when I do kind of roll out of bed for like my second pee in the morning is around eleven. Is I check my email and I do get emails from Kenny Klein. So the the big giant bold headline: Danny Manning has joined the staff. There you go. And I was like, "Oh, Nelly, I'm gonna, you know, I know we'll get plenty into this, but I will say I'll go all cards on the table. No pun intended. There's a reason why you 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 gravitate towards me and podcast Trevor. We both do like Danny Manning. You both love Danny Manning. I, I'm a Danny Manning fan too. I can't I, I can't help it. I, first of all, the, the the tweet that I'm talking about, somebody tweeted me at like 12.45 and tagged you in it. It was yes. like, what are the odds that Trevor, at, at Trevor Kelsey is going to know that Danny Manning has been named the assistant coach when you guys go on the air? And I said, 
there's a 75% chance that this tweet is how he finds out when he wakes up at 2 o'clock. So I was a little bit – I was really hoping that that was – you were going to roll over. You were going to yeah. see, like, you had a notification. You got tagged on Twitter. What are they talking about? And that was going to be how you found out the news. But unfortunately – You blame Kenny Klein. Uh, as I do with most things, I, <laughs> I will blame Kenny Klein. I check email before. I do use almost always – it's almost in that order. Email, Twitter, Facebook, back to bed. Understandable. So. Well, I mean, besides <laughs> the last part. So this morning, I, the first that I saw of this was – you know. You, you get the email, speaking of getting emails from UofL and news releases coming out, we find out that there's going to be a noon press conference featuring Kenny Payne where he's going to announce a new member of his coaching staff. I mean, just, I don't know, not, not tomorrow, today. Today, yeah, yeah this, this mean, morning it happened. And so I think everybody had the same thought, which was, well, I guess this is Milt Wagner. Because that's been rumored for about a month now that he was going to be joining the staff in some capacity. And more recently, the rumor has been that he's going to be a full-time assistant. And I think, like, I I got text about it, and I was like, I can't tell you anything firm. I'm assuming this is Milt like everybody else, but I've heard some scuttle that the, there's a new person in the mix, and the name's Danny Manning. And I was thinking that was like a week down the line at, at the earliest. I was thinking this was just like another Ashley Howard situation where this is a name that's been contacted. There's been a little bit of mutual interest. We'll see where this goes. No, 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 no. Oh, no. And I'll give props to Kyle Tucker was the first person I saw tweet about this this morning just saying – hearing that there might be some buzz between Louisville and Danny Manning. And I'm like, ooh, it's getting out there. This is getting a little juicy now. And you start seeing more and more. And then it goes from might be some mutual interest to Jeff Goodman, at least the first person who I saw officially report this, saying sources say Kenny Payne today will announce the new assistant on his staff as Danny Manning, the most recently interim head coach at Maryland. And I mean, I this came out of a left field. Like, like I had forty eight hours ago, I'd heard nothing about this. He was not a name that I, I'd even heard people throw out there as like, hey, no. have, we, have we talked about Danny Manning? And since before, weeks before Kenny Payne was officially hired, everybody, including the two of us on this show, have said the same thing about KP staff, which was, would love to see him hire somebody with head coaching experience. Would love to see him hire somebody who is, you know, well known has gone through the day-to-day operations of being a head coach at a relatively high level and could maybe help out in that respect because, as has been discussed ad nauseum, Kenny Payne has never been a head coach before. No. Danny Manning fits that bill. I mean, he was a head coach at Tulsa, did well there, parlayed that into the gig at Wake Forest where he did not do particularly well and then yeah. took a, you know got back into the assistant ranks, was an assistant at Maryland, and then wound up getting the interim head, uh, head coaching job when Mark Turgeon left in the middle of the season. And I think did respectfully well this past year in a little bit of a rough situation. And so now he joins the staff. I think this is the rare guy with head coaching experience where that's kind of a secondary deal for him. I mean, Danny Manning is a name. He's a very, very famous player. We now have, I think, at least one of the tallest coaching staffs in America, and that's even with Nolan Smith, who was a guard, and not having a third assistant. And we also have three guys now. And we'll have four if Milt Wagner does wind yeah. up being the, the the next full-time assistant who have won national titles in college, been drafted in the NBA draft, and played in the NBA. Well, if it's Milt, we'll have to change it. But right now, we're three for three. I know, first-round first picks. You, yeah. see, you see where I changed the language? I, I had to look that up, yeah, too. I know. Well, because Billy, when we discussed it, Billy, I remember Billy was the first-rounder to, probably Billy Thompson, also the first person to win a college and NBA title back-to-back. Really? Yeah, when he did it with 86 and Lakers in 87. Didn't play much with that E7 like a team, but still got a ring, right? 
Uh, but yeah, Milt, but Milt, I don't think Milt was drafted though, right? Did you say second round? Okay, thirty fifth overall. Ooh, oh man, close, very close. Well, I was gonna say because if, if if he was, he could have been thirtieth, which would be first round today. I know, but second round. I, trust me, yeah. I. You, the only reason that. I looked this up is because I threw the stat out there on the podcast this morning or this afternoon, and then I went back and checked it to make, and I was like, oh, Milt. I was like, because I, I was like, I think that if we if Milt joins the staff, this will still be true. And then I looked it up, and he was thirty fifth in the second round pick. And then I was like, can I parlay this into like technically today yeah. he would have been the, the Mark Price. Uh, Stat, which is he, right. he was a second round pick, but he was twenty eighth overall. Right, you but, know, uh, but still, I mean, I mean, if we solid had, accolades across the board for this coaching staff. I mean, not right to now. mention, I think if anyone, if it, there's any ever a precedent to open up a fourth assistant coaching spot, this should be it because all we need is a center and we have a starting lineup. If we had Mitt Wagner, we'll have we can have Wagner and Smith in the backcourt. I mean, I think Danny Manning could play center. Yeah, Manning was a was a power forward, small forward. Power He's tall enough. He yeah, could, he, he could play both. He was more of a. I think KP player. could play center too. We could rotate him in there if we get if we get we right. You know, in modern basketball, we do mostly go with third guard rotations. It's like a Sidney Curry, JJ Trainer situation. Yeah, we could. So we can bring another wing player then, I guess. I mean, he's, well, man, but what, Manning six ten. But no, you're already ruining what was going to be perfect for sorry, what I was going to say. Sorry, because I, I didn't even know I was going to say it until I just got midway through the sentence. That's my my fault for not being able to see that Barbara coming. Ellison. Oh. There's our center. Our front line, Payne, Manning, Ellison. In the backcourt, Nolan Smith. No one's, doing, no one's doing all the heavy lifting for the other positions, though. We're talking about a lot of frontcourt players here on this staff. He just has to get the ball down low. What is that? We're going 6'9", 6'10", 7'1". Oh, that's a good front line. Yeah. Is it too big, though? This is We're getting away from modern trends. But Manning, like I said, Manning's a finesse guy. He could play out in the perimeter. He could. He did. He, he was, he, And he could handle the ball, too. He could do it all. That's why the Irish wrote a song about him. I posted that Sports Illustrated picture, the cover where it says, "Oh, Danny Boy." Yeah, that was the, the that was the picture of the day for the Mike Rutherford Show teaser on uh, Twitter. I think that true story. It's not written about him. Stop. <laughs> Stop. I think that most Louisville fans, and this is sort of a it's an odd deal because we saw Danny Manning firsthand at Wake Forest, and his teams, by and large, were not great. Well, he, they made the NCAA tournament once, and it was just a first four game. That was with John, with John Collins. Collins, and they basically got in because they they beat us. Yeah, that was the their signature victory came first week of March. We played them down there, and they they beat us. I would like to see what they'd done if Collins had come back for us. Uh, would have been his sophomore year, I think, or junior year, I think. I think it would have been his junior. year. I think so. He cause, yeah, because he blew up his sophomore year. He didn't do a whole lot of freshman. He blew up his sophomore. I mean, you can't blame him for going. I mean, but no, he, he made the right call. Yeah, he's a top fifteen pick, and Manning had decent talent there. I mean, Olivier Saar was was good when he was there. Then Kentucky ruined him, which they <laughs> which they do with everybody I besides forgot, Oscar Sheboy. I already forgot about Saar. The Kentucky answered like black that. Shondi Brown was good there, and he went to Michigan. He was he was good there as he well. Had, he had Childress's kid there too. He had he? he had Randolph on staff too, and Brandon yeah. Childress was one of their better players uh, for those years. But you know, it didn't. It didn't work out to Wake no. Forest standard, and I did see. I loved all the Wake Forest fans like jumping in my mentions and being like, "You want? You guys want Jeff Bedzelik? Just go for the trifecta here <laughs> of failed recent Wake Forest head coaches." I'm like, "Okay, well, we, I, I get it. It's an easy, easy joke. We took Gaudio. We've got Manning. Now let's get Bedzelik. Maybe we can trade him for Steve Forbes sometime down the line. We'll see what happens. As long as we don't get any more investigations with the FBI from this." I can't imagine that this is going to result the same way that we did the last time we hired a former Wake Forest head coach. <laughs> I, I can't imagine that's going to be the case. But I think that most Louisville fans seem very excited about this just because, yeah. again, his his most recent head coaching stint aside, he's a big-time name. He, he's, a, he's a guy who recruits, if, if they don't know who Danny Manning is, a quick Google search will enlighten them, and I'm sure that their parents do. 
and he's a commanding presence. He should be able to help you on the rec- recruiting trail. And also, work. I mean, if you're a front court player, if you're a talented kid who's six foot eight or taller, where the hell else do you want to go? You got Kenny Payne, who is known as the big man whisperer of the NBA. You got Danny Manning now, who can, like you said, maybe help out if you want to be one of these more traditional six foot ten players now, who can do a little bit of everything, who can score at three levels. Danny Manning can help you out in that like, like aspect. At no questions asked. Like this is to me. A very solid hire. I didn't see it coming. I didn't even know that he was a potential candidate, but I'm all about it. And he he does strike you as somebody who also is like Nolan Smith and Kenny Payne, very high quality character, like somebody that everybody in basketball circles seems to like, even if people who have criticized the jobs that he's done in past jobs, um, they all seem to speak highly of him as just a person. Once again, this is going to be the easiest coaching staff in the world to, to root for. I don't think we need to Nobody's going to have to feel like they're compromising any morals, regardless of what your morals are, how important that is to you. Like we're we're hiring just great people. Yeah, and it, it, it's I feel like they, they, this is done for me because they, they they've watched me suffer having to remember the names of coaches who came from New Zealand and and were and were after you know. You should have Mack. no trouble with the staff. Like they're like, how can we how we can get a staff that Trevor's never going to forget a name? Let's go after all '80s basketball guys. The sad thing is, I had this exact thought when we hired Danny. Man. I'm like, you know what? At least I'm not going to be able to quiz Trevor on. Hey, name that assistant. I mean, you know, next year. Yeah, I mean, I could tell. I mean, I, I was. A, I liked Danny Manning up until he got traded to the Hawks in '94 because I always felt bad for Dominique, like they gave up on him. And I was at the Pacers when the Pacers eliminated the Hawks and Danny Manning in that, in that second round playoff series. I mean, it's. I, I'm a little surprised. I'm actually a little surprised. Maybe it's just because it's positive and exciting news, a new toy for Louisville fans. But I thought there might be backlash from this a little bit. I thought. I thought. And, and I didn't. I know you've never been a huge Manning fan, or maybe you just like teasing me or, or podcast Trevor about being bigger Manning fans. But I, mean, I, I thought. I thought there would be slight backlash, but I'm glad there isn't because I don't think there should be. You're right. I mean, this is a guy who worked. You know, uh, I mean, obviously a number one pick in the NBA draft, played in the NBA mm-hmm. for years. Had a really good NBA career. Injuries probably took away from a large chunk of that career and 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 took away a lot of his explosiveness in the NBA. But I mean, he coached under Self for six years, seven years, you nine years. That was it. Nine. Wow, yeah, I couldn't remember. That was long. Didn't know that in that long. Well, he got there probably when Self when Self got there. Then I was I'm not sure they all were under Self, but he he coached at Kansas for nine years. Okay, uh, and then yeah, you mentioned Tulsa. You obviously you know Wake Forest, which. You know, wasn't horrible, but not really great either. And and then his, he was what assistant for what three weeks in Maryland before he took over. Yeah. And and, uh, and did a decent job. I mean, he had a losing record, but I mean, they under competed the, under the circumstances. You know, for someone who bet a lot on the Big Ten this year and watched the Big Ten closely, you know that yeah, they did not. When I would see them going into a game getting like twelve points, I'd I'd be looking my chops on Maryland a little bit. We had the conversation towards the end of the regular season, like why is Maryland being so competitive and winning some of these big time games in the Big Ten, and we're, and we're just yep. you know laying down like this. This doesn't seem to Good speak point. very highly of our players. Like we we talked about that, and that's a testament to I think Danny Manning being able to keep those guys motivated. I mean, he is like he played you mentioned, the Olympics, or he coached in the Olympics. He did coach in the Olympics. Yeah. You mentioned like I, I've been critical of Manning when he was at Wake Forest, which. I mean, he was underachieved. Obviously, they didn't. It wasn't. They didn't have a good run. There's no. no there's no way other way to say it. Like they did not have a good run there. So, I would have a problem if we were bringing Danny Manning in to be the head coach of this Louisville basketball program. I've got no qualms whatsoever to make him an assistant coach. And I say assistant. This is kind of an interesting thing that's happening right now. The press release that came out today from U of L, the official announcement, uses the term associate head coach. Ooh, and that's. But 
you've got in his bio on Twitter, he says associate head coach. In Nolan Smith's bio on Twitter, he says associate head coach. And the press release that came out for Nolan Smith originally just said assistant. So I don't know what's going on, but at the same time, I don't care. Let's just make – it's just a word. Let's make everybody associate head coach. we got one spot left. I say let's go for the turkey. Whoever's next, whoever's hired next, you're also associate head coach. Who the hell cares? We have like, we have twelve associate athletic directors on U of L staff. Uh, Biggest biscuit, Dave Skoll, pointed that out to me. Look it up. We have twelve assistant athletic associate athletic directors at U of L. Does it matter? Like who cares? Next head coach, if it's Milt, associate. If it's me, associate head coach. If it's whoever, they're associate head coach too. Should we have twelve associate athletic directors? Yeah. And yet we don't have an athletic director. And we have no athletic director. actual athletic director. <laughs> we're a walking contradiction. I mean, we're, we're yeah, we're just, a, just like a, a cult without a leader. I mean, pretty much. Kinda. Don't say we're, we're afraid to get unorthodox over here. We It's just creativity. We just can't decide. We're just going to give everybody, everybody for a day. We have 365 associate ADs, and each day everyone gets to be AD for a day. I mean, I should do that with the assistants. Make them, like you said, make them all associate and just rotate it as the game. Like so, if, if someone's happened to pain in that game, whoever's that first chair that day, it gets to step in. It's like what you say about kids who are like having behavior problems or aren't learning well enough. Well, you know, we're just we're creative. <laughs> well, I like the the ones that are troublemakers. They're just expressing their art. Expre- you know, they're ha- <laughs> they're having trouble expressing themselves. They're just yeah. they're more experienced. We're we think outside the box here, Man, is what I like to say. I came around as a kid in the wrong era. You should, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did. I'd been pampered so much as an ADD uh, with something or nine other different farming things listed under my, my medical records. It doesn't show. <laughs> it never comes off. Ooh, keys. <laughs> <laughs> but your thoughts on the, the the Danny Manning hire, send them in at uh, 502-414-1450, the Thornton Sykes line. I, I think it's good. I like that we're progressing here. Yeah. I enjoyed hearing Kenny Payne talk a little bit today. I didn't get to hear the entire press conference that's on my to-do list when I get off the air. But I did love he was saying – after he finished talking about Danny Manning, he was talking about, you know, they're allowed to do some individual workouts right now with the players that we have, which is five guys at this point. But we almost have a five on, we can almost do coaches versus players at this moment. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. I actually, with with Smith, Manning, and Payne, I think I would take them, maybe take those three on our five, against our five players. I promise you. (laughs) As long as Manning doesn't get hurt. Uh, he, He talked about word, he said, they've been working out the current players for like 20 to 30 minute sessions. And there was a good anecdote about a player and a less, and neither overwhelmingly good or overwhelmingly bad. He just kind of was giving an update. He says, Payne said he saw a major difference in L Ellis from just day one to day three. So that's good. So Love that's hearing that. Excellent. Actually, I really like hearing that. He Thought said, it's "Not a difference going backwards." Yeah, you <laughs> major difference. Yeah, he didn't. <laughs> he didn't say which direction. <laughs> he did say that Sidney Curry, in his most recent workout, only got halfway through and had to stop. Which, <sighs> look, maybe Big Sid was celebrating the NIL deals a little bit too much. He worked very hard during the season yeah, to get himself say. ripped. I mean, he was a <laughs> just a massive body transformation. And Sidney Curry is one of those guys. I think kind of like Zion Williamson. He's got that body type where. He can look shredded, and then you. But you also like you can tell if he just had like two weeks of cheating, 
he would blow up. Oh yeah, like you've got like it, me. Yeah, one of the, well, I don't know. I, mean, I've, <laughs> I haven't seen you fully shredded just yet. I'm sure that's coming. Oh, sometime it's in there soon. somewhere. It's, it's in there somewhere. Uh, I mean, I, I'm summer of 2023. It's I'm coming. on two decades of cheating. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about? Like those guys who are like you look at them and you're like, yeah, dude, that, that guy's jacked. But I can also tell just by looking at him if he ate nothing but McDonald's for a week straight, he'd put on. Five times as much weight as a normal person. The, be- the better analogy is, is the the Charles Barkley syndrome. Like if, uh, you can just see like Curry and, and Williams are the guys that are going to look like Charles Barkley. Like well, look at Barkley back in his playing days. Yeah, I mean, I'm not talking like '96 Houston Rockets Barkley, but I'm talking you know anything before 1994 to 1984. Dude was cut. I mean, he was a beast. I mean, now you look at him, he's like he got eaten by modern Barkley. You know, and, and I agree with you. You know how I love butterfly effect stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Like Except the, the movie. The movie sucked. It was horrible. But I always I always go back my ultimate college basketball butterfly effect thing is if Kenyon Martin lands normally. Yeah, you love that one. The yeah. USA tournament ninety nine. You love that in the St. Louis. Or two thousand, I mean. Well, yeah, oh God. Somebody find that video, please. Uh two thousand. We're probably talking about a world where Bob Huggins has a national championship. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take him you know, he's about to get inducted into the Hall of Fame. It probably happens like eight years earlier. And also, Tom Izzo is known as the biggest March choker of all time instead of Mr. March because he will have been to, what, nine Final Fours with zero national titles? That would be it. Like, that's, it's a crazy thing to think about. How about this? What if us beating Maryland in the Bahamar Bahamas championship title game wound up laying the foundation for Danny Manning to come to Louisville and thus set the stage for like three decades of unprecedented success. You mean but it was starting the with, Baja bully starting with the domino of getting a turgeon fired. But also Danny Manning maybe saw something he liked in Louisville. Maybe he would he thought more about taking the job that was ultimately offered to him because that impression was still relatively recent in his mind. But yeah, more importantly that we started the domino effect of Turgeon being kind of cast aside by the fan base and, and ultimately get it, it getting so bad there that he chose to leave, which made Danny Manning the interim head coach, which also set the stage for that entire coaching staff to be wiped out, which made Manning a free agent, which brought him to Louisville, and then maybe he kills it here. He and Payne and Nolan and whoever the next assistant is, whether it's Milt or somebody else, become this just unstoppable force, and it all goes back to the Bahamas and that tiny-ass ballroom and the Baja Bullies. Thank you, Pegues. It's happening. Should we... Mike's Louisville, hang the banner for Pekis. <laughs> that's that is definitely a, a rabbit hole to go down. I just uh, did. Um, I think you are like two levels beyond where I was when I was at three in the morning comparing the Rock and Conair last night in, in mindset with that. Sounds but, about right. But uh, <laughs> uh, maybe more the fact that Danny Ming is unemployed and. You can't get much better offer than this is the coaching job from Louisville. But <laughs> why was he unemployed? Once again, hand up. That who was did, us. Who did Maryland hire? Was a uh, was it, uh, Willard? Kevin Willard. Yeah, Willard. Yeah. Why didn't Willard keep him under? I mean, it's, it's rare. Maybe that's why he came to us. It's because he just we, same reason Kenny Payne didn't keep Mike Pegues. He got there and Willard talked to him. He was like, "Yeah, I, I took this job because Louisville called me, but screw that place." And he was like, "Manning, you're fired." He's like, "You don't like Louisville? I'm going to Louisville." Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I'll show all. you. Don't think that's what happened, but I, I like that you're thinking outside the box. Um, we've also got a – I know we have to take a break here. We've got a new name in the transfer world that has Louisville on his final list that I think people will be Sport. relatively excited about in basketball. Okay. Um, football, we do have transfer news, but it's the news that everybody expected a week ago. Hey, Tyler Harrell's visiting Alabama this weekend. Do you, you know, know that? Are you shocked? <laughs> Can you believe it? I mean, he could at least act like – 
Like pretend and go somewhere before Alabama. Like at least, at least, at least. I just I, I tell you what I will give props to the Alabama fans because in every thread it's like local fans be like oh uh, like roll tampering tide and stuff like that and Alabama fans are like yeah we did what are you gonna do about it <laughs> I mean which is uh, hey everybody knows what's going on and you may as well like there's no way to prove this there's no way to, I don't think that there's marked communication between Alabama and Tyler Harrell that's out there and even if there is nobody's going to neither one of the parties are going to give it up to the NCA or or some sort of reporter but like Alabama fans are like yeah what are you gonna do about it I mean just pretend I mean at least stop by like middle Tennessee or something I mean this this, (laughs) quick visit to Syracuse this this is like I was watching friends I watched a couple friends reruns last night and it was happened to be like during the end of the Ross the first the original Ross Rachel era Uh which by the way I don't know if you know this but Rachel's like the worst human being ever uh, but it was the one where she he's like getting all paranoid because he thinks she's gonna leave him for uh, Mark's trying to get with him. Oh, he sends all the balloons to the yeah, office and, and stuff. And like, and then of course they break up. And what happens? The first thing she's doing, she's she's hanging out with Mark in the apartment. And like, and then she goes out with Mark. And I'm like, that, that that's that's what this is. This is Alabama's Mark. We're Ross and Harold's Rachel. Like this, this is what they've done. He's like stepped in like. At least pretend like you're not leaving us for the guy we just know you're 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 flirting with behind our back. But no, here he goes right there in Alabama. I'm surprised he didn't leave the transfer portal out of here with a roll tide sticker on his car. Did we not do enough to keep Harold? Should we should we have sent him less flowers? Were we overbearing? <laughs> I did love the, the, the barbershop quartet. quartet he said. Oh, it's nice to have a boyfriend. <laughs> From your love being boyfriend, Ross. All right, let's, on that note, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about this basketball recruit who has a uh, basketball transfer recruit who has Louisville on his final list, what that means, and we'll take your text at 502-414-1450. It's the Friday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show, and it's rolling on next here on 1450 and 96.1, The Big X. I like this. this. This is good Friday music here. There's a thing. Oh, this video, this music video is so great. 80s music video. What was the first song? The guy playing a keyboard that's glued to the wall. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think I've ever seen the music video. <laughs> I'm looking at it. It's like a keyboard randomly glued against the side of a building and he's playing it, yelling it, singing it to the camera. I feel like I need to watch this video now. <laughs> you should. It's, it's pure 80s. Uh, the first song Don't was, You Want Someone to Love? Yeah, yeah. Jefferson, Jefferson Airplane. Airplane yeah. Is this all... Because that's what, Starship? Who sings that song? Jefferson Airplane. The original. No, 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 this one that you just played. Oh, this, this is Journey. Journey. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I, was, cause I, was, I was thinking it was Jefferson Starship for a second. I was like, is this all Airplane since you were watching Con Air last night? No, no actually, today's theme, it, it, I'll, I'll give you a hint. It is a location. Okay. And so you have to maybe just guess the place. Okay. And it, it's one that has significance to me because... Uh, today, April fifteenth, is actually my grandparents' wedding anniversary. Oh, so okay. And they, it's where the city they were married in. Hmm. In nineteen forty-five. Wow. Just as the beginning of a very important part of American history began in that same city. 
Okay. I have an idea. Well, I want to. I want to let this drag okay. on. Right. I want to let this go to the second hour. Um, I've got before we get to the text line. I've got a. Do you want to hear a wild ass story? <laughs> do I? Not for me personally, which is makes it even better. Uh, yeah. Either way. I don't know. I, so I actually meant to bring this up last week. I had it written down, and as tends to happen on this show, he rose his birthday. No. Case in point, right there. I don't get to a lot of the things that I've written down in my show notes before <laughs> for reasons that are apparent to anybody who's listened to a full episode of the show. So, why? <laughs> there was a lawsuit last week from Tennessee. Okay. This woman, 42 year old woman, her name was uh, Shandell Riley. And she said that back in 2019, she had been pulled over by a couple of officers and they found one of the officers found that she had marijuana on her and like pulled her out of the car handcuffed her and she said that while she was in handcuffs this officer inappropriately touched her crotch all this stuff and it goes on they end up like the officer just ends up wanting to like talk to her like has a lengthy talk and brings up religion and she kind of talks about like i'm not really religious like all this stuff and then he says, well, have, were you ever baptized? And she says, no. And he starts talking about, God's talking to me right now. He wants me to baptize you. All this stuff. Like, really just effed up. And well, must have been some good weed she smoked. He, well, <laughs> he's not smoking. Maybe he's just telling her other things she's hearing, maybe. He goes on to say, hey, if you let me baptize you, I'll only write you a citation, and you'll be free to go about your business. Which... Like highly illegal, right? All of this, everything we're talking about, so wrong, completely so many levels of exactly. legal and ethical. He also indicated that he would speak at court on her behalf if she agreed, and she agreed to go along with the plan because she didn't want to go to jail. She also thought that this guy was a God-fearing, church-like man who saw something. She she believed him, and testified that it felt good to believe that for a minute is what she said. She ends up clearly like like time sets in, and she files a lawsuit against this person, accuses you know him of all these things. Uh, it comes up last week. He gets indicted last week, and it's looking like this open-shut case. Like, this, this clearly wrongdoing. This guy's got to get fired. He's probably going to go to jail. Well, I don't know. I mean, you fire him. Does he really need to go to jail? I mean, I mean first offense, but he's just trying to be an over-religious. Like, well, he ought, the, the crotch touching, is well, that's going to send you to jail. That's probably going to happen. So this is all – story spreads. It's a big deal. People are talking about it. It's clearly a – it's an easy story to latch on to. And also, I should mention, there was another officer there who witnessed this and then left before the he felt uncomfortable. The baptizing stuff happens, and he's like, I'm, I'm out of this. Was but, he Jewish? No, but he's <laughs> able to testify and give the, the account and back up the, the woman's account of this. Okay. I'm assuming even including the uh, naughty touching? Yes. Okay. So two days ago, she's found dead. Ooh. Yeah. At her home on Log Cabin Lane, cause of death not unknown, no like, autopsy. Oh, that name of the street just sounds eerie, by the way. Yeah. This, uh, the, the former deputy, Daniel Wilkie, had been indicted on 44 charges, uh, rape, assault, official oppression, and... 44? 44. And she's dead. And people are... And what, Jumping what, to conclusions, you, but this is a bizarre, bizarre story. And did you say? Did you? I, I mean, you may have said it. I got lost in the logging cab, logging road cabin place. Name. I always wonder what you're going to latch onto. Certain it, things just catch your eye. 
Uh, I'm a latchkey kid. Uh, <laughs> I was. Uh, what did you, did you say that the, the cause of death was? It they, a, they don't know. They, don't they said know. no autopsy yet. This all happened. So there's no. I said two days ago. This actually the, the story broke yesterday. So she may have been found. So yesterday. It's a, so it's an autopsy that's required. So obviously not a gunshot wound or. They're not saying. No cause of death has been announced. No autopsy has been done yet. I mean, if no, if they're saying no autopsy means I would think require that there's no like external like damaging that shows like a gunshot or knife or hanging or something like that they're basically just they're, they're not saying at all yeah. like they asked if foul play was involved or if it looks like it and they said we can't say we're not we're not making any comment Ooh. uh it's quite the story one to keep an eye out for one to keep in you know see what happens i'm curious to see what happens next um riley does have did have a history of drug charges but who cares that's neither here nor there well you, you already said shit bottom right right yeah, yeah. Just people, man. How old was she? 42. When she died. She was 39 during the actual stop. Wild, wild story. Uh, 44 counts. That's a lot of stuff. 44 counts. All right, do you want to talk about this? Uh, the new name in the world of Louisville basketball, potentially for the roster next season. This this is not the, this isn't the name Davis, right? Who? Davis. Trey? Austin? What? <laughs> Who are you talking about? Mike Davis's kid. Oh no, Antoine Davis. Antoine. Yeah, he entered the portal yesterday. Awesome. <laughs> we talked about we talked about Antoine Davis yesterday. A little bit, yeah. I've got no idea whether or not Louisville's even reached out. There's, okay. There's been no like he's got a list. Uh, I think Houston would have a shot. He was originally committed there. I also think Kentucky, if they wanted to, would have a shot. You forget Brad Calipari went up there, played for a couple of years with, oh, yeah. with Davis. Yeah. Um, they have a relationship. Mike Davis and, and John Calipari have a close relationship. So I like. Steve Wouldn't like it. I'd, I'd almost kind of. If, uh, other than Louisville, I'd like to see him go to Houston. I think that'd be a nice fit for him a little bit because he could give them. I mean, I know he's not the defensive guy Samson usually likes, but he'd give them that go-to score to do balance out the defense. You know, they're going to play even with him on the court. You hear a wild fact too. I mentioned yesterday he broke Steph Curry's freshman three-point record and he led the nation in scoring. Yeah. Uh, the season after that, he is as of right now the twenty-second. All-time leading scorer in the history of college basketball. Really? 22nd. And this is where this extra year of, of eligibility is going to skew some of the all-time stats because he's going to end up being like top 10 when all said and done. And it's going to be with a full extra season of eligibility. I don't think I could tell you number one is. It's Pete Maravich. Is it Maravich? Yeah. He only played three years, too. I know. It's nuts. And it's by like a yeah, fairly I, wide margin. I, 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 I would have I guessed. If you if you maybe guessed, I would have said Maravich. For some reason, I thought it was like a small, like a, a, a lower-level school kid. Like maybe somewhere Paul Westball coached like a – you know, not obviously not at L, uh, LMU, but you know, some somewhere along those lines. The only reason I know or a Tom Penders coached kid like from when he was maybe doing Rhode Island or something. Yeah, the the only reason I know is because a couple of years ago I wrote the when I was doing the college basketball gig, both Mike Dom at South Dakota State and Chris Clemens, shout out to the Campbell Camels, like broke the top ten into the top ten of the all time. Yeah. So I was always updating the the list, and that's how I knew. But he, yeah, it's wild. He played two seasons. He averaged. I mean, what do you think his scoring average was over those three oh, seasons? Oh, yeah, but I, over the two seasons? Three. Oh, three? Uh, 48 points a game. 44.2. I knew it was around. I knew he averaged over, with no three-point line, by with the no way. With no three-point line and yeah. just three seasons. It's just it, it's nuts. No shot clock either. So he scored in his for, in those three years 3,667 points. Number two on the list is Freeman Williams, who played at Portland State in the 70s, and he is— so That's where I was thinking. That's where my mind went. Yeah, with, he's over 400 points behind Maravich. Three thousand two hundred forty-nine. He played what? What era does it say? Does Seventy-four say? to seventy-eight. Okay, so same same kind of scenario. A little bit. Yeah, most of the guys on this list. I mean, Chris Clemens, who I mentioned before, is ended up being the third all-time leading scorer in college basketball history. Um, played at Campbell. It's amazing, though. I mean, Lionel Simmons, familiar name. Oh yeah, L Train, baby. I, I, I loved L Train. Do you know where he played? 
They played LaSalle. LaSalle. Yeah. And at 86 to 90. Alfonso Ford, Mississippi Valley State, 89 to 93. He was also the sixth pick in the 1990 draft by the Sacramento Kings. Lionel Simmons was? Yeah. Checking that out. Let me see if you're right. He was the seventh pick Ah! overall in the 1990 draft for the Sacramento Kings. You are a moron. (laughs) I don't believe anything you say. How did you come that close to getting knowing that off the top of your head? I liked Lionel Simmons as a kid. That was a 90 draft. That was the Derek Coleman, Kenny Anderson draft. Uh, Dougie McBuckets, Doug McDermott from Creighton, number six. Got to see a four-year guy finally on there. (laughs) Well, they're all four-year guys besides Maravich. No, if that wasn't to play in the seventies. Apparently, he probably only played three years, didn't he? No, he played seventy four to seventy eight. Oh, he did. Okay. Yeah. I, I, every well, uh, every other player on this list is a four year guy. I can't remember. I always forget when the freshmen were, were became eligible. I thought it was mid seventies, but I guess I. Mike Dom previously mentioned number six. Uh, Harry Kelly, Texas Southern, seventies and eighties, uh, and then Keaton Clark from St. Peter's, who I've never heard of. Harry Kelly sounds like a triple X important name. Hold on, let me, let me keep going here. Hers, uh, Keaton Clark from St. Peter's. I didn't realize St. Peter's had any history before this past year. <laughs> yeah. 02 to 06 is number nine. Percy Hawkins, number 10. Uh, Bradley, first round pick uh, in 1988 by the Sixers at number, hold on, hold on, hold on, uh, number eight. You're already wrong on both counts. It was 88, wasn't he? 88 draft. Yeah, 76ers took him. Clippers took him. Oh, they traded him to Sixers as part of the trade. For, for Yeah, it was a tra- game day trade, though. Clippers took him sixth overall. Sixth. But look, he never played for Clippers. He was traded that day to the Sixers. You're still dumb. Yeah. You're still so dumb. So dumb. We played hard. We played I, let, me get to the, let me get to what I want to get to. We're tying this all together. Number 11, Oscar Robertson, the big O. Yeah, well, I don't one. know if you heard this, but he averaged triple-double in college. People yeah. say this. Hoosiers beat him. He did only play three years. That's the, the He's the be- highest three-year player right after Pete Maravich. Never won Number 12 on the list. Danny Manning. Ah, my boy. Hey, we we, get we got there. We got Number there. Number one pick in 1988 by the Clippers. Once again, trying to get through a list like that with you on the other end of the mic is just, it, it, there it is, lock stroller through gravel. Just trying to drag that lock stroller through gravel. Just trying to get there. It's not going to be easy, easy. It's going all sorts of different directions. You're trying to keep it straight. The motion I just made, all <laughs> fair. That would have been a bad moment for the YouTube show if we get the cameras in there because it definitely looked like a little bit of a... A uh, hand motion that was inappropriate. <laughs> I was just trying to see if I could name how many of those 12, how many I can name where they got drafted and where and who. Do you know where Tyler Hansborough is number 15 on the list? Do you know where he got drafted? Tyler Hansborough was drafted by the Indiana Pacers number 11 in, 19, in 2008. Hold on. No. Wrong year, wrong pick. He was the Pacers. It was, was. In 2009. 2009. And it was it was in 11, was it 12th? No. 13th? 13th. And it was and it was the bottom of the lottery. Can you get any of these? Well, honestly, you're, you're close. Can I get within two or three and like get like at least a window of uh, window? Uh, Allen Houston, where was he? Allen Houston was tenth in 1993 by the Detroit Pistons. Eleventh by the Pistons. You're so it's, it is remarkable how close you are. In what, all what these. aggravates me is Lindsey Hunter then went tenth out of Jacksonville State to the Detroit Pistons, and then they took Allen Houston very next pick. Um. Hank Gathers, who's now directly behind Antoine Davis on the all-time Hank scoring list. Drafted. He passed away. Oh, against, that's right. He died against Portland in the uh, in the WCC tournament game. That's in the second poor round. taste on mine. I was thinking of Bo Kimble. Bo Kimble was the lottery pick in 1989 to the LA Clippers at number nine, I believe. Hold on. He uh, did go in the lottery. Eighth. Eighth. You're one off on all of these. <laughs> my game's slacking a little bit today. JJ Redick. 
Oh, JJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is when you're. This is the this Trevor Law period. This is the fog period. Yeah, uh, Reddick was a first round pick to the Orlando Magic. I think that's right. And I believe he went fifteenth. No, he was. He wasn't. Was he bottom lottery? Eleventh. Oh, he. So he was around well, lottery and moved to fourteen by that point. So yeah, eleventh. But was I right on the Magic? Yes. Yes. Don't I can't remember these. That's my blurrier. Uh, if I had to get, was he like? Oh, was he like eleven? I think. 2011, 2012? Eight, no, 06. 06. Oh, man. Yeah, this is the... You know what I do? I think I'm thinking of Jimmer Fournette maybe with that one. I get him and Fournette sometimes mixed up. I wonder why. I don't think you can get anybody else on this list. <laughs> Ooh, I, I wanted you to get one. Challenge me. I love that. Shock me, shock me. Teenage Revolution. Tyler Halls was not drafted. Reggie Lewis? Reggie Lewis had a Northeastern. Correct. Uh, he played uh, and went for Baltimore. Of course, passed away in the second round of the NBA playoffs against the Charlotte Hornets in nineteen. Well, the, the passing was in ninety four. Uh, he was drafted. Incorrect. What, what year was? What did he pass? Ninety three. Ninety three. Okay. Um, you went off on everything. Oh, I remember. I still remember watching him just collapse at the three point line, running front of Del Curry. Just pull the Costanza and just like whatever you think it is, just go one one over lesser <laughs> or more. Uh, he was a late first round pick by the Celtics. Correct. Uh, in 1991? 87. Oh, he was that long ago? Yeah. He was with them for that long before he blossomed. 87 to 93. Yeah, because he was a, he didn't blossom until like 92, 93, I guess. I have no idea. Yeah. Okay, I didn't realize 87. Wow. 22nd overall pick. Way off on that one. Speaking of the Costanza thing, I actually meant to mention this like a couple weeks ago. So I, I had like forgotten about my brackets that I'd filled out on like the ESPN bracket challenge. You know, I do the coin flip bracket. I do my official bracket. Like I let Virginia do a bracket, and like I'd abandoned them after the first weekend because I knew mine was was awful. I knew I did a terrible job, but I just went back and I was like, oh, I want to see how these things ended up. So I do a, I, I did a, I could have called it the Costanza bracket, where it was, I went against every strong inclination that I had about this tournament. But I wanted it to, to remain like reasonable, not like picking 16s over ones. But well, like, you, Miami it almost worked out. <laughs> yeah, but like, but I didn't do that because I thought that was actually going to happen. Oh, so in okay. this case, I had Miami losing to USC, and you know I think I had USC losing in the second round to Auburn because I thought Auburn was a fraud, mm. and it, it, it didn't happen. I also thought I was fading Nova. I didn't think they were going to make the final four, but I put them in the final four in this bracket. So my actual bracket, out of 17.3 million people, I was in the 20th percentile. And I think I was like 13 million something. My Costanza bracket, 100th percentile, 68,300 and something out of 17.3 million brackets. I had wow. I had Kansas winning the national title. I was not a big actual believe. I had I had three of the four final 14. I didn't even remember filling out this bracket. <laughs> I, I could relate. I had Duke, Kansas, <laughs> Nova, and I think I, I think I had I didn't have Kentucky because I had them in my actual bracket. I don't remember who I had coming out of the other, but I, I was wrong. And like I looked at, it, I was like, "Oh my god!" I was like, "What?" I was like, "If I had won money going against every inclination that I actually had, like my actual thought, I wouldn't have even felt good about it. It would have been like I'm so dumb that me doing the opposite of what I really think about this sport, which I'm being paid to cover at this point in time, would have made me money. It's a, it, not a good asset to have. There, there was a, a little stretch in a tournament where I think I lost like five games, five six games in a row on, on the on the betting side, and I thought, okay, now. I'm just gonna bet. I'm just gonna bet this next. I think I don't remember what. I think it was during the lead eight or I forget which where we were in the tournament. And I, there was, you know, I bet like three or four games that night. And I'm thinking, I'm just gonna bet the opposite because I, I've, I've gone like I've lost like literally f- like three days in a row. I've gone like zero for six. Like I'm, I'm just gonna bet the complete opposite. 
and that because if I like this, then I'll bet this, and then I'll win because I'm going like you just said, the Costanza effect. Mm-hmm. Then I started like getting in my own head, and I'm like, but if I know I'm doing the opposite, how do I know that I'm not doing the opposite of the opposite because I know I want to do the opposite? Like I say, I like this, but Whoa. I. <laughs> so in the long run i don't even remember who i bet and why but i think i did win that week okay well I, i'm just now realizing also that the the whole story that i was getting to that got completely sidetracked when i when somebody when you brought up antoine davis and then led me to quizzing you about the top 25 scores in college we never even got there the name the new transfer name that is on the, the we have a transfer? List, i swear to god if you do it again brandon hutley huntley hatfield from tennessee in the transfer oh, portal he is a former five-star recruit, and I say former just like last year. He's a member of the 2021 class, just played his freshman season at Tennessee. 6'10", 245, number 26 overall player in the 24-7 uh, sports composite rankings for the 2021 class. He is down to five schools, um, at least that's what he announced today. And this all happened pretty quickly. I, I saw that Louisville had contacted him, and then an hour later, we're in his top five. It is Louisville. It is Auburn. It is Arizona State. It is Wake Forest and SMU. Kind of interesting that out of the, the 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 few names, the minimal names that we've heard that Louisville has officially contacted in the transfer portal, I think at least four of them are post players, like six dudes six ten or better. We contacted the kid from uh, from Memphis who like basically didn't play there. We've contacted Brandon Huntley Hanfield. We contacted Janai Broom from Moorhead State. I think that there was some contact with KJ Williams from Murray State, even if it hasn't been reported yet. Um, like, we've got Sidney Curry, we've got JJ Trainer, we've got Roosevelt Wheeler potentially. I think I'm starting to wonder I'm about start- Wheeler. I'm yeah. starting to think now because you know the Curry is his skill set offensively says true center, but he's you know six eight. If you not doesn't have the size, play the right lineup, he can play the four. Yeah, and Trainer is taller, but he's not a traditional center. He's more of a four. I think mm-hmm. they would like to see him be a stretch four. So the fact that we're targeting what appears to be like the Broom kid from Warren State is a bona fide true center. He's a shot blocker. He scores around the rim. He's not going to step out and shoot it a little bit. He's and I think Huntley Hatfield is kind of the same way. I know that the other players that we're targeting the other post players are that way they're not going to step out they're not malik williams they're not going to step out and shoot threes they're bigger bodied guys who can bully but they also have a couple of inches more than sydney curry does like i'm with you like seeing this offer list right now says to me there's serious doubt that wheeler's coming whether whether they it's them not preferring wheeler whether they them knowing that wheeler's not preferring coming back for whatever reason yeah i mean and, and those are like you said curry is more while he's his size could play the four in a, in a big four or five lineup, likely play the five. But even if he is to play in the five, I mean you've you've got to have you've got to have another big man, if not two, behind him because two reasons. One, and assuming he will improve, but even if he does, I can't imagine it being drastically that much stride between even now and halfway through next season. He does struggle defensively. Uh, especially it, you know, because he, whether it be on the on the pick and roll or lacking of someone of the height at the five, and to piggyback on that is the other reason is he's going to get in foul trouble, and you saw that last year. I mean, he can get in some foul trouble, you know, for, because of the defensive lack of lack, lack what he does lack in defense. So, I, I you do need another big guy, whether it be you know it's more traditional or not to come in here, and if it's not going to be Wheeler, then 
let's look at you know the Hatfield McCoy guy out of Tennessee or whatever. I think what this says to me is that Kenny Payne wants a rim protector. If, if we're going to play this tough, sure is not on ball man to man defense. We've got to find a rim protector. You got to have somebody at the back end of that defense because we saw what happens when you don't have that guy last year, and you're trying to play this this quasi man to man defense, the Mac line, whatever you want to call it. We overhelped all the time, and we got torched from the perimeter. Yeah. Like we we didn't have defenders who could stay in front of opposing ball handlers, and we had to overhelp because we didn't have a reliable rim protector who could alter or block shots. We ranked in Kentucky during Kenny Payne's watch, and a lot of that. A lot of this is part of the talent, but I think it's also due partly to the system that they that they played offensively. Was always one of the best shot blocking teams in America. Like you feared going inside against Kentucky because they had uh, multiple dudes who could throw your stuff five rows into the stands. Last year, block rate two hundred seventeenth in the country. That's what Louisville was. The year before under Mac two hundredth. The year before two hundred three. Year before that two seventy two. Louisville never ranked in the top two hundred in block percentage under Chris Mack. And that's, I'm not going to say that's entirely the reason why we struggled so much defensively, or at least struggled defensively compared to where we're used to being, but it didn't help. I mean, just look at the the stark comparison for the year before with David Padgett. That season, not exactly loaded with shot blockers either. Ray Spalding was a good shot blocker, but no, not elite. Well, last, we still were 104th in the country last in block percentage. good little shot blockers are probably Gorgie and Samaki Walker. It's 2017. Those are probably our top two. Uh, Ellison might be leading the shot blocks for career, right? 2016, 18th in the country. Like we, the year before, 2015, 18th in the country. The year before yeah. that, 18th in the country. 18th in the country, three straight years in block percentage. The last, I'm looking at this right now, the last 11 seasons under Rick Pitino, Louisville was a top 100 team in the country when it came to shot blocking. And that's, like you said, wow. we were, I mean, 20, 2010, not a great team, still sixth in the country in shot blocking. Uh, the year after that, 46. The national title team, 62nd. Like, good well, shot blocking team. Team defensively wouldn't even get you, let you get to the, the rim to get your shot blocked. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> number one team in the country defensively and adjusted defici- yeah, defensive they, efficiency. They wouldn't even let you get the shot off, let alone get it blocked. Yeah. And I've said this many, many times since before we even hired Kenny Payne, but the main thing that I want from this next era of Louisville basketball, I mean, I, I want a lot of stuff. I, I want. The recruiting, I certainly want the offensive talent. Would love DJ Wagner, who we're going to talk about again a little bit later because new news is, is on that front. I saw that too. We're going like, to – all that stuff. The main thing that I want, though, return to being an elite defensive team because when you're an elite defensive team, you're in every game. Yeah. You have a chance. We, we've had – I mean, the 2012 team that we had was about as good offensively as the team we had last year, if we're being honest. The main difference between that group and the one that just won 13 games last year – was they were the best defensive team in the country. We were an awful, abysmal defensive team last year. We never had chances against teams that could put the ball in the basket. If we get back to being elite defensively, then even on nights when the outside shots aren't falling, which we've seen happen so many times in recent years, or somebody's just having, you know, they're on Mars on offense, we're turning the ball over too much, you still have chances to win those games. And we saw that time and time and time again with Rick Pitino at the helm. We were always in games. You could have bad shooting nights, and you still were right there. You never felt like you were. We went like three years without losing a game by more than than nine points, which was the longest streak in college basketball at that time by a wide margin, and it was because we were so good defensively. Bring back that defensive energy. Bring back that defensive prowess. Let that be our identity moving forward. Testify. Amen. 
All right, let's take a break. When we come back. The church got at me. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> when we come back, we will talk a little DJ Wagner. We have some more football recruiting news. Bob's coming home? He's not coming home. Uh, at 4.30, we're going to have Keith Wynn. He is coming home to the Mike Rutherford yeah, Show. Yeah, because he brings Jeff with him. To talk about this latest <laughs> dose of uh, football recruiting positivity. We'll pick his brain on just how significant this is. And we'll ask the question that everybody seems to be asking. How can you explain why this is happening? This seems to be coming up all the time. Like, this is awesome. This is great. Is it going to last? Are these guys going to stay? And why are we suddenly the hottest recruiting team in the ACC? We'll talk to Keith about that and take more of your text on the Thornton's text line. All that coming up in hour number two of the Mike Rutherford Show, which is coming your way next here on The Big X. This is like the era where everybody had to sing like this. Sometimes my mind plays and I actually, I love Green Day. Oh, I had back in the their first debut album. Oh yeah, of course. I had I love that tape all the time. I like how we're putting tape. Now there is a line in this that always somewhat had me a little confused. Right here. She said it's like a sex that's bringing me down. I went to a He said my life more. Hmm. What's Billy Joe trying to tell us there? But he said her then the second part. No. He went to a shrink. I know. He, I know. I went to a whore. He said my life's a bore. But then, so quit my whining because it's bringing her down. But that means the whore's a dude. Right. But then he says her right after that. I'm confused. But I'm maybe confused so is too. Billy Jesus, Joe's confused. Maybe. Yeah. I always wondered, like. It's 2022. Yeah, well, yeah. But I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah we're not, hey, it's the quote of Seinfeld. There's not like there's nothing wrong with that. Mike Rutherford shows a judgment free zone. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, teach his own, man. Or flips the switch and I've never, I, but I've never thought about that. I don't know for some reason. Nineteen ninety four, fourteen year old Trevor did was like, hmm, what? Did he mix those lyrics up? Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. I mean, it, it's one hundred percent what he says. Interesting. Well, what are you gonna do? Hey, Anyways, well, good for him. W- welcome into the second hour of the Mike Weatherford <laughs> Show. Here on 1450 The Big X, hopefully your weekend is off to a fantastic start. To my fellow Catholics out there, happy Good Friday to you. Good Friday. Probably not the right terminology to say happy Good Friday, but it is Good Friday. Why wouldn't you? Well, it's it's, a somber day. We're rolling into Easter weekend, though. I don't know if Trevor, are you hunting for eggs this weekend? Are you playing the Easter Bunny anywhere? Are you giving out gifts? Are you celebrating? What are you doing for Easter weekend? And can I just assume it's nothing? (laughs) It's not fair to make an assumption. You know what happens when you make an assumption, Mr. Rutherford? I'm usually correct when it's about you. Well, in this case, yes, but that's <laughs> not the point. Uh, I I have not made Easter plans, primarily because about six minutes ago I learned it was Easter on Sunday. You did. You asked me if this was... Uh, I was like, you, you're like, are you just celebrating it or is it actually... I'm like, no, it's it's full on Easter. This well, is the real deal. Because you went to the, to the bunny like last week already. Well, very different. <laughs> <laughs> what? 
I mean, nobody goes to see the bunny on actual Easter. You, Why not? You go to because the bunny's come. Like the, the bunny has been to your house. He's delivered the eggs. He's delivered the baskets. He's done whatever he's going to do at your house. You go to church and then you have the the egg ceremony, like the the, the egg hunt, the egg ceremony <laughs> to find out where he's left all the to eggs. to find out how good you were. The egg ceremony. <laughs> what you wouldn't know about it? You're not Catholic. <laughs> Don't tell him the secrets, guys. Uh, <laughs> if you're bad now, do you not get an Easter? Do you get like a rotten egg? For Easter, like you do get, there a, should be something like that. Like there's, there's a coal in your your stocking for Christmas. There's no Easter equivalent, to my knowledge, of the the coal in your stocking. We are doing the whole like you need to be good if because she went to see well. Virginia. Also, yesterday, she she won't let go of the fact that the Easter Bunny didn't talk when she went to visit him uh, last week. She's like, Easter Bunny didn't talk, and I was like, Yeah, you you know, bunnies don't don't talk. And you know they're yeah, they animals. Also walk around lay, which lay well, exactly, either, but, but, you know, she's kind of she's putting two and two together. And then she, her response yesterday, which I thought was, she's already kind of getting. I mean, she's going to figure this whole thing out by the time she's like six. But she was like, <laughs> she goes, Santa Claus talks, and I was like, yeah. I was like, well, t- technically a person. Yeah, like, there you go. Come on, it, it's all I've got. But she knows, like, you know, we see bunnies on our walk, we see bunnies in our front yard all the damn time, and she knows there's a difference between those bunnies and the gigantic, creepy-ass Easter bunny that who she just asked for a Buster the Bus toy from. <laughs> and I, I'm, she's like, well, you know, I, I, I told him what I wanted, but he doesn't talk. And I'm like, yeah, like, it's just, I'm like, he heard you. He heard you. And if you're good, you're going to get it. That's all I can tell you. Stop asking questions or two. I like how you can ask gifts for the Easter bunny toy. Like, should you just ask for chocolate? I mean, is that just a given gift? I mean. Well, no, you want a toy. Toys are better than chocolate. I never really grasped the, the toy gift giving on Easter. Like, I, I, other than going and finding candy or getting a basket full of like chocolates or whatever. Well, toys are cool. I, I got one gift I think ever in Easter, and it was when I was eight. And I got like I got a, uh, the, the Jordan starting lineup where he's doing the back dunk. The, and the kind of more fa- I think every kid had the starting lineup at some point or another, or has at least seen it. Um, that's like the only time I ever got a gift on like on, on Christmas. On Easter, like I just never really grasped the the gift giving for Easter thing. I guess you were just a bad kid, weren't good enough. But if I'm a bad Easter kid, Easter Bunny didn't help you out. But I'm, I'm a bad kid. That doesn't mean I'm, I should still get gifts, right? Which, by the way, kind of leads me to the whole like Catholic versus the Christian and uh, uh, Santa versus Easter Bunny. Like oh, I think Easter Bunny more of the Catholic side of things. Oh boy! And Catholics, they usually forgive you for everything. That's why I love the religion. Like you know, hey, you're bad. You, wait, that's all good. Take a couple Hail Marys, you'll be on your way. That's why the Easter Bunny only gives candy to everybody and doesn't give coal. Where, hmm. and when you look at Santa, more of the Christianity. That's you know, you look at the Old Testament. God was very was not very nice. You know, you get coal. I can buy that. Okay. It's not a rock solid argument. <laughs> well, you know, but it's not your worst. It's the best you can get when you only went to one year of Catholic, of uh, religious studies at Western. <laughs> you like you always talk about you like your. Religious I did. I took. Two, I took. Actually, I was going to take it the second semester, but I didn't. Yeah. Do you know what Easter celebrates? Other than oh, what's the resurrection of Christ? Okay, I just wanted. Yeah. To, I was like, <laughs> not that bad. I, I, I mean, I, I just wanted to know. I'm like, when there's a possibility for hilarity, I've got to push just a little bit. I almost went bunnies. <laughs> I mean, I, was, I almost said bunnies first off, but yeah, yeah it's. Uh, I guess so. The last, when was especially the Last Supper then? Last Supper was, was on March. What would it have been in March? <laughs> well, I saw. What, what was the tweet that I saw today that was like? Before, since they didn't know it was the Last Supper, they were. It was like a hang with bros or something. It was, <laughs> but I think they didn't know it was the Last Supper, didn't they? Didn't I? Didn't he? Didn't Jesus first not originally, not when they got the invite, not when they got the the 
the when they RSVP. Well, not, the apostles maybe didn't know, but Jesus probably knew, right? Jesus knew. Jesus yeah. knew everything. Of course, yeah. And do you know? I mean, the Last Supper. You know, that's like the anniversary. It's time. It's Good Friday. Oh, is that what it is? Wait a minute. But how did he? I thought he was dead for three days before he was resurrected. What? I thought when he when he dead for three days and didn't resurrected. This is when he was crucified. It was Good Friday, but Good Friday Last Supper is when. Jesus washed the feet and had the, the Last Supper and everything. It's when we, we celebrate the Last Supper. It's Good Friday. Is the Last Supper like the reason why we give last meals to prisoners before we execute them? I don't know when you're going to stop asking me <laughs> questions that I couldn't possibly have the answer to. Troy. <laughs> Troy doesn't know. That's, not, that's good. That's why I go to and have religious questions now. <laughs> I don't know. I I. I, I it seems possible. Oh no! But, but okay, Jesus was dead for three days, then then resurrected. Correct? Yes. Okay, so if he died on Good Friday, how did he? That's only two days away from Easter. How is he resurrected Easter? That's not three days. The math doesn't add up. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Counting, we're counting. I mean, three. We're, we're counting it as three I mean, days. Exactly. He was he died at eight a.m. But he resurrected on Sunday at nine thirty. I mean, he was in the tomb. He rose on the third day. Right. Okay, so he would have to die on Thursday. I don't. I, I, <laughs> this is when we celebrate these things. It's not. It's like Christmas. He wasn't actually born on December twenty fifth. Some <laughs> emperor just decided, like a thousand years ago, that he was. That we're going to celebrate on the twenty fifth. Like there's somebody said they actually did some sort of research that he was probably born sometime in the summertime. Oh no, that he was supposedly born in June. Yes, but I've then, heard June. Yeah, and then, but then again, some religions think he's also born in like Tampa. But that's nowhere there. Well, you know, <laughs> once again, judgment-free zone here. <laughs> you don't go to Tampa to be born. You go there to retire. People duh. can believe whatever they want to believe. Uh, that's fine. Uh, it's yeah. actually Jacksonville is where some people believe it. I, I'm hesitant to glance at the text line now because I guarantee people are like, explaining the whole – like we have some <laughs> theological scholars out there. I, I'm thinking either we're going to get a lot of qu- answers to our, 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 our religious questions. We're going to get some debate, hopefully, on, on The Rock versus Con Air because you and me are torn on this one. And maybe, if you can, throw me some player trivia. I love that. I had fun with that. If Matthew 1240 literally means three days and three nights, then the crucifixion cannot have, have happened on Friday. Yes, thank you. Some say, rather than a literal three days, it's an old idiom referring to the two days prior and the two, to the day being spoken of. Apparently, that's how they used to do things back in, in Jesus' day. <laughs> well, they didn't have a calendar. <laughs> the Friday crucifixion is still the most widely held view due to the traditional celebration of Easter, but did the crucifixion actually take place on Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday? There is debate. That sounds like I have questions, too. <laughs> so, so the supper happened on Monday, then, right? You could have been a, a, a theological scholar. You could have gone to Harvard Divinity School. I just got a lot of questions, really. I would <laughs> li- curious mind. I would have liked you to have been there. Um, let's, Teachers hated me. <laughs> let's talk about, speaking of... <laughs> I'm not going to say what I was going to say. <laughs> when I showed up. <laughs> Speaking of the chosen one, yeah. uh, let's talk about DJ Wagner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, hey, look what okay. time it is. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Clear the mechanism. All right. <laughs> DJ Wagner, the oft-talked-about top-rated player from the class of 2023. Heard names. Looming battle. Between Louisville and Kentucky for his services, we've talked about it already a lot. I assume we're going to be talking about it much, much more. There was a significant crystal ball prediction today by Travis Branham, who has ties to UK, covers recruiting nationally, uh, works for 24-7 Sports, and he, look, 
the guy is right most of the time when it comes to this stuff. National recruiting experts, they won't make these crystal ball predictions unless they feel very, very, very uh, confident about something taking place. Now, sometimes they will switch it when uh, things change. Well, things happen. Yeah, yeah. Ha- things happen. Yeah. But typically, if you're going to make this move, it's not just an attention-seeking thing. You have something substantive that's backing it up. But Travis Branham today did log in his official crystal ball prediction, which is... Drum roll, please. DJ Wagner going to Louisville. Now, is he the only one to lock in a crystal ball at this point for DJ Wagner? I couldn't tell you that. I think that the don't they I, usually show that though? I think in the- on the two four seven site they do. I know on three, which is the the new scouting service that's out there, okay. they had put something out. They, they put the stats out there. They're like seventy three percent of crystal ball predictions right now are Wagner to UK and twenty seven point whatever. So well, I they, assume that Branham's not the only one. They unless, can't call it crystal ball. That's a two four seven trademark, right? I mean, I don't think they have. I don't on th- they have a, a TM on, on that. On three should call theirs the uh, fancy Chris, fancy ball of glass. That's what they should call it. The disco ball. Because they're made in Louisville. <laughs> yes. 94% of them are made in Louisville. You didn't know that. So he has, according to uh, the 24-7 site, 80% of the crystal ball predictions, which I assume are just like five people. <laughs> yeah, usually it is sometimes. At least or I guess four in this case. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Four, five predictions have been made. Four of them... And they're all from two years ago. Are him going to to Kentucky, and one of them's now going him going to Louisville. The only one within the last three years is Louisville. Then yes, so that's a good sign. You've got Brian Snow, who now not is you know, not only not doing this job for twenty four seven sports, he's not in the recruiting game anymore. He's, I've never heard of him actually. He was a, he was a big uh, he and Chris Mack were boys. He's from Cincinnati area. Okay, he covered recruiting. Now I think he got hired. He's one of these guys who parlayed that this work into a gig, actually working for a. Um, I think he's working for Penn State, the basketball nice. program. Good for him. But he picked. Wagner to UK back on January 18th, 2020, pre-pandemic, <laughs> which Chris Fisher from the Cat's Paws did the same thing, uh, June of 2020. So all the UK predictions are from 2020. From and almost two years ago, not a year and a half ago. <laughs> Travis Brandon, who, who now does the job that Brian Snow used to do as the national basketball analyst at 24-7 Sports, today, 8.34 a.m., logged it, made it official, Louisville. And he is eight for eight in predictions in 2023. So oh, far, or 2022. I like the sound of that. It's not like it's not time for celebration, not time to throw the parade. Oh, I can change. But it's also not nothing. The fact no. that you've got a national person who gets paid to do this for a living to make predictions and be accurate about those predictions, saying, Hey, I've I've heard enough. And he's, he's going not, to Louisville. And I don't think he's going if, if if you were to say, Oh, well, Rutherford, you know, fat guy. If he was he just did that when his pain got high. Just call me a fat guy? No, you're Rutherford, I'm fat guy. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Jake. <laughs> yeah, Jake and the fat guy. Um I would think if you if you want to give the oh, he's just doing that because Payne got the job. Well, why didn't he do it two weeks ago when Payne got the job? I mean, he's why? Why is he waiting till now to do it? It's not because he forgot his password. I'm sure to log to, to log into his crystal ball predictions. It's likely that he is now. He's talked to people, whether it be you know maybe DJ Wagner himself, someone close to Wagner, what, whomever. Since Payne has been hired, and obviously there's interest. And we, you, I think you brought up the article or the interview with with Wagner where he kind of played off mm-hmm. the you know the 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 Payne thing, and we the Payne thing. Uh, and and we we said that that could be maybe he is playing it off. I think that's what he was doing. He was playing it off then, and I think there is where there's smoke, there's fire, and I, I'm hearing a smoke alarm starting to go off a little bit. I kind of am too. By the way, I'm, the the last I, I I checked, and my fear about the text line was 
Absolutely correct. It's all about about Conair being better than The Rock. No, it's all about like how did Mike Rutherford graduate from like mo- many many years of Catholic school <laughs> yeah. and not still have any idea about what Holy yeah, Week? The really? Last Supper was on Thursday. I mean, seriously, I feel like I might know more than you, and I didn't do a lick of Catholic. Well, you were school. just wrong about everything. No, I was curious. You just you you just asked the questions, and I just didn't have good answers for you. <laughs> Mike, your Catholic knowledge is killing me. The last supper was yesterday, uh, Maundy Thursday. I don't even, I've never even heard that term, Maundy Thursday. It's like Derby. Later that night was <laughs> later that night was the agony in the garden before being crucified on Friday. Well, again, theological scholars tend to disagree about the timeline. So, Wait, did you say I, was it agony in the garden? Agony in the garden. I thought that was something to do with the Knicks. Incorrect. <laughs> Come on, that was a decent joke. joke. That was decent. Come on, it wasn't my best, but I thought it was okay. <laughs> I, the more that I, I grow up, the more that I realize, like growing up Catholic in Louisville is different than growing up Catholic in like anywhere, pretty much <laughs> most other places. Like we just, you know, we we went to church like once a week and like for one hour during the week at school, and you know, you just kind of you, you learn some stuff. But you didn't learn a whole lot. Now let me say, as a Catholic, because again, this is all based on movies. Because I've never actually never been to a Catholic church. Uh, do you actually have like priests in the confession boxes? Can you actually go in there and talk to somebody? Yeah. Is, that, is that like randomly, or do you have to like like set up a, like a an appointment? I'll be perfectly honest. I have not confessed a sin since my very first reconciliation. Which is is that something you do? Like it's is a, that, it's a is that like a Catholic sacrament. bar mitzvah? Yeah, it's it's one of the sacraments. Like you have to confess sins for the first time. You do it, and it was it was like to it was like it was in the movies. Do you really? Okay. Sit down. Yeah. You how do How do you do when you do the uh, do oh, that? Oh man, I think I was in fifth grade, so I think how I was eleven. Can you have as a fifth grader? I, I mean, I did this like the the easiest thing in the world, which is like I confess, like I've been mean to my sister. Like, I, yeah, like, I was yeah, gonna say. It was, I mean, it, was, it was one of those. Things. What kind of really immortal sins could you have as a fifth grader? Is this like a sociopath test? I, yeah. See, see if we have any like future Bundys on our hand. Could be. Could be. Um, man, yeah. Mike, the last supper was on Thursday. That night was the agony in the garden. Have you never watched Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ? Well, I can tell you. I, I don't. Now you open that Pandora's box. <laughs> you know, I went to it, but didn't watch a lot of it. Trevor famously <laughs> made out during made out during Passion of the Christ at the theater. The hard part was the uh, the very large black lady next to us that wailed the entire time. She's <laughs> crying the entire movie, and we're not touched by it. Maybe that's why I've never heard of the agony in the garden. I, I, that's the term I've actually never heard of. People keep saying Maundy Thursday, which I've also never what heard is of. Maundy Thursday? M-A-U-N-D-Y. This is, <laughs> you're all better Catholics than I am. I'm, I'm, couldn't apologize more. Just out of curiosity, in the last 20 minutes, how many times has Wynn texted you and said he's canceling his interview? Never. <laughs> because he's like, why am I coming? How do I, how do I back this up? A football yeah, he's talk. listening. Um, <laughs> Sector says Branham elaborated that he's been sitting on some DJ to Louisville news for two weeks and got some info today that pushed him to make the crystal ball to Louisville. Well, that makes me feel even better. Yeah, I mean, he's been waiting to he's been waiting to go on the record for this. Uh, he thought it was going to happen for a while, and then today he finds out something that makes him even more confident than he already was. So confident that he's willing to put his name behind it. That's, I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. It's great. I mean, like I said, if he'd done this like the day after Payne was hired, I could I could accept the all this is just. The same. This is just you know what every fan is saying. You know we're going to get DJ Wagner now because we hired Campaign. He's obviously looked into this, and that makes me feel confident. Texas says Trevor is legit Seinfeld making out with a girl during Schindler's List. It, you are. It's it's unbelievable. I didn't make out during Schindler's List though. I've had some respect. 
Okay. That's, <laughs> we'll go to, we have to go to break anyway, but that was the perfect time anyway. We, we've got Keith Wynn coming on next from Card Chronicle. He's going to shed some light on this recent run of success on the recruiting Ooh, yeah. front for Louisville, exactly how excited we should be for these kids that are signing on the dotted line or committing, I guess, before they sign on the dotted line. And uh, we'll, we'll pick his brain. He knows way more about this than we do, so you bring him on. We'll come back. We'll talk to Keith. All that happening after the break here on 1450 Welcome back in, Mike Rutherford Show, Friday edition. It is Good Friday. I have been outed as a poor Catholic by Trevor Kelsey now because <laughs> he's quizzing me on all the stuff that I don't have the answers to. I do like that the text line was like, Keith Wynn should fit right in. Recruiting's all about prayer. <laughs> it's a good answer, but yes, it is. People are mad at me. They're like, you went to Catholic Why are they really football? mad at you for this? I'm like, yeah, so, sorry. I, I forgot that the, the Last Supper happened on Thursday and not Friday. My apologies. You know what? <laughs> I'm a father of two young children, heroically overcame COVID. I'm keeping possums out of my yard at night. I'm getting cats out of the ceiling during the day. Sometimes things are going to slip my mind. Can we get a quick cat update, by the way? How is uh, Mushroom? How's Shroomy doing? Mushroom was taken to the vet um, earlier this week. He is about six months old. Always, oh, that's a kitten. Kitty, yeah. yeah. We and, and Angie, my Aww. babysitter, whose daughter now is taking care of, of him. She had said, like, she's like, I think he looks really young. And I can't tell because it's a big cat. Yeah. It's a Siamese, but I you know, I don't know enough about cats to really distinguish what you. they look like at, at a certain age. But he had some pretty severe damage to his, I think, left ear oh. that had to get uh, had to get worked on, had to get fixed. But besides that, he was in he was in good shape. And they think that he was owned by somebody at, at some point in time, but they think he was probably abandoned along with a like a litter of, of cats mm. and that the other cats probably didn't make it, and he did, and that's probably or they're what happened. roaming somewhere else. Yeah. So you know, we're once and saving cats' lives. Sorry if I forget the my, my all of my theology, all of my lessons, all my Catholic upbringing. I'm gonna I'm not gonna retain every detail because I'm too busy saving the feline population of the city of Louisville. That's don't call me a hero. Don't go to confession either. Don't go to confession. I should go to confession. You mean we all should probably? <laughs> uh, well, let's welcome in Keith Wynn. He's the deputy editor over at Card Chronicle. He's going to shed some light on this football recruiting uh, news and this run of positivity that we've been talking about throughout this week. He's going to do so more eloquently and more knowledgeably than we've been able to do. Uh, Keith, welcome back to the show. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, man. Really, just enjoying some some feline uh, conversation here. You know, that's you know, it's what we do here. It's <laughs> Shout out to Mushroom, we love you. Cindy Purry is what I'm going to call you forever. Cindy Purry, not Mushroom. Fantastic name. Fantastic name. Uh, Keith, I, I want to start by asking you, we'll get into the, the specifics of the individual players who have either committed or signed with Louisville this week, but I want to ask you the question that I think I've probably been asked the most this week with this run of success that Louisville football has had recruiting-wise, and it's like, like point blank, how is this happening? Because I think that Louisville fans are – Maybe we're all just 
we're afraid to to celebrate anything good at this point, but we're getting all these four stars. We're getting all these recruiting rankings that we've been waiting for pretty much our entire lives as fans to see. And I think there's just this natural sense to be like, this almost feels too good to be true. Is it all going to fall apart or is there something, you know, bad that's happening that we we are going to find out about later like how do you explain that to people i I tried to give an explanation yesterday i'm sure you can do it better than i can how is this happening well i think uh, you know the word that i kind of come back to is investment um you know i think there's a there's a level of financial investment when you talk about being able to send coaches around the country and truly recruit on a national level and there's a reason why that just is not normal, you know, and there, there's still tons of programs that just aren't able to do that. Um, you know, but you look at the Blue Bloods and whatnot, that's where their advantage really kind of came from. You can go back to Notre Dame, you know, years ago, they, they kind of started a pipeline out in California and, you know, started just picking kids out, you know, whoever they wanted. And, you know, you think back on that, that there, there just weren't a lot of programs that can do that. Louisville's kind of invested some financial aspects to be able to send a guy like Pete Thomas out to California just, you know, multiple times, you know, during a, you know, a recruiting window. And, you know, they're down in Texas. They've been down in Arizona a little bit, um, you know, obviously Florida, Georgia. So they're, they're really recruiting at a national level. And, you know, so that takes obviously a financial investment. But I think, I think honestly, just a general investment in recruiting, um, you know, they've added to the recruiting staff and, you know, all that matters. And I think that Scott Satterfield has been honest about needing to continue to grow that. But, you know, I kind of, I kind of get a feel that there's just been a, a mindset change. You know, it kind of felt like when they got here um, as a staff, they kind of maybe assumed that things would just kind of be okay in recruiting. Um, you know, bring, you know, being able, being, they, they've got talent at App State. They got more NFL guys down there in the recent years than Louisville has, so they know how to recruit and scout guys. But I think that they maybe thought that. You, it was just kind of naturally that the, the, the improvement would just happen because they're at a better school and, and whatnot. And, you know, that's at least the feel that I got. They, they just weren't really as uh, going as hard as, as they are now and really going after the big kids. But, you know, another thing that I've kind of pointed out, and I think, you know, I hate to kind of echo things that Scott Satterfield says, but COVID really impacted the staff. I mean, you, you get here, you kind of start to try to build these relationships, get on the road all those things and then you just you have to shut that down for an extended period of time and at that point you know i think they did some some smart things with the virtual visits and things like that they were one of the first schools to do that if not the first but that just it's not the same thing so i think that that really did hurt them and i think they were able to bounce back but you know let's be real getting pierce clarkson and how he's really factored into what they're doing right now it's been a much bigger deal than I than I personally expected when he uh, when he committed himself. So obviously that's a huge part, but I do think there's a true real investment across the board when it comes to recruiting that they just didn't have before. Do you think because the other question that's come up, and I've asked this myself rhetorically, you know, why weren't we doing this a couple of years ago? It seems like we could have <laughs> you know avoided a lot of unhappiness amongst the fan base and a lot of rumors about Satterfield's job security if we had started doing this back in you know, 2020. Do you think it was because when you read these anonymous coaches talk about other programs and their conference stories that come out every summer, a lot of the criticism of UofL from other coaches in the league has been they tried to just bring App State to Louisville and that's not going to work at this level. How much do you think it was sort of what you were alluding to in the last answer, them just realizing we've got to have players 
to compete at this level. We got to have dudes that you, 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 the guys that you can win with at App State aren't the guys that you can win with at the highest possible level at Louisville. And how much of it was Scott Satterfield like really reaching deep after realizing how upset people were in December and having that lengthy conversation with Vince Tyree, hearing people talk about Jeff Brom, you know, knowing that the last two lingering memories from last season were going to be a blowout loss to Kentucky and kind of an embarrassing bowl game loss to Air Force and him saying, we got to do something different. Like, is this them reacting to the, the, the last three years and saying we finally have to get better? Or is it the Satterfield being like, all right, it's time to pull out all the stops? I think it's a mix. I mean, that, you know, they didn't just, they just, they started recruiting a lot of these kids last year. You know, when you look at Pierce Carson, it was last April, Madden Sanker, who's a, you know, four-star offensive tackle that they really, you know, have a chance with. They, they offered, you know, well in the last year. You know, so it's not, you know, I think they're getting more success now, but I think the plan was put in place. You know, Scott Satterfield talked about growing the recruiting class or recruiting staff, you know, almost a year and a half now, ago now. So, I think he realized it then, but I think they. I think there's a aspect of when when Scott came in, it was kind of looking at the Clemson model, and the Clemson model is your culture is is your number one thing. Well, Clemson also is able to recruit at a different level because they have a better recruiting base and a better history and way more resources than Louisville has. So you can't just emulate what they did. I think they. I I, I think the goal was to we got to get the right kind of kid in here. Who can also play football? You, that just—that's not going to work at Louisville. You just can't do it. You have to—you got to have to have a mix, and you have to build your culture and, and be able to sustain bringing in a guy that maybe isn't the perfect fit from a academic or a character or all that stuff. You just—you can't go out and just say we have to get guys that have Ivy League offers and all this stuff. And I, I get it. I thought it was great myself, but at the end of the day, you know, when you only have maybe five guys in a 25-man class that, you know, you know are going to are gonna hit, and you have 20 guys where you're hoping, that just doesn't work. And, you know, that's where we're seeing some of the depth issues that, that you know, they're trying to fix with the portal. Um, you see some of the youth issues where, you know, some of the older guys just, just didn't, really, didn't really work out the way they thought they were going to be, and now you're relying on some of the young guys. So I think there, I think there was a misstep, you know, to, to a certain degree. Um, but I think it was made with a, there was a mindset and there was a goal and it just didn't hit. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, that's where maybe you give a little bit of credit to say, Hey, this hasn't been working. We have to change. Uh, but I think that started well before, you know, what we're seeing right now to, to me right now, what we're seeing is a mindset change well over a year ago, a plan that was put in place a year ago. And then I think at the end of this past season, it was reiterated that, Hey, I need help from the administration to take us to the next level, and we're starting to see some of that. But I do think that, you know, the, the inroads they made last year are starting to pay off. And what I think, the, the positive is that I think the conversation with Tyree and Josh was more of a how are we going to sustain this? It was turned into how we're going to sustain this because I do think the plan was put in place, but now you're seeing it, and now you can go, you know, if you're Scott Satterfield, you can go to Josh Hurd right now and say, I need more. Mm-hmm. I need what, you know, this is this is working I need more. I need more of a budget. I need to hire more guys. And if you're Josh, I'm sorry, there's no way you're going to say no to him right now. Uh, let's talk about, we're talking with Keith Wynn uh, from Card Chronicle, deputy editor over there. Follow him on Twitter at Keith underscore Wynn, W-Y-N-N-E. Uh, Keith, let's talk about yesterday, Louisville adds two players. Well, they add one player. They get one commitment that's added to their 2023 class. Let's talk about the first news that broke, which was Quincy Riley 
transfer from Middle Tennessee State. We, we all know Louisville needs some help in the secondary, both just with talent and with bodies to add some depth there. Only played nine games last season, but actually uh, led the country in interceptions per game because he had five of them. Is this a guy who could come in and compete right away for a starting job? Is he more of a depth guy? Uh, he had some other big-time offers. Tennessee was after him. Ole Miss was after him. Mississippi State was after him. How big of a deal is it adding Quincy Riley? I'd I compare to adding, you know, Keetro Clark, which we all saw. Mm. Um, not only what he was able to do, but what the, I don't know if everybody remembers when, when Clark finally got on campus, the coaches couldn't stop raving about him. And, you know, and I'm, I remember sitting back and, like, the kid from Liberty, like, I, I just don't, you know, he didn't really do as much, you know, while he was at Liberty, you know, I thought he was a good player, but not a game changer. I mean, Quincy Riley is a is a playmaking defensive back, and I don't think I have a sense any Louisville fan, Louisville needs playmakers on defense. I mean, they we, we saw this all the time, you know, they're, they've given up these long drives, and guys are missing on making a play by, by an inch here, or dropping an interception, or, or, you know, things like that. You need guys that can get out there and make plays on the football, and and Quincy Riley, the interceptions are great. I mean, being second in the country, but you know, he 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 essentially nearly led the country and and passes defended. So he he is a guy that's not only out there to he's going to make an interception, but he gets his hand in there, knocks down passes. I mean, third downs were just a nightmare because guys can't be sticky in coverage and they're they're playing off and things like that. You need another Keetro Clark, a guy that you can rely on to play close coverage, to play tight coverage. And that's where you get the, you know, more pressures from your defensive front, more sacks. I mean, it's, it's all the stuff that we saw. And everybody gets frustrated watching this defense make plays at times and then, you know, give up big plays and then this, and they can't be consistent. Quincy Riley gives them a guy across the field from Keetro Clark that quite literally could be better than Keetro Clark. So that's where, you know, that's my assessment of it. I, th- I think it's a huge, huge deal that, he, that they, they were able to get him partially because they've added other guys, and he had other options. And, and I mean, Ole Miss, one of them, he visited Tennessee twice, just like he visited Louisville twice. I mean, this guy was a was a hot commodity uh, in the transfer portal, the top defensive back on the market. And, you know, Louisville being able to, being able to get him uh, when they just got Jarvis Brownlee uh, from Florida State last week, a guy who started in the, in the ACC, you know, shows that they're, they're selling something that's working. Um, and I think they've remade that defensive backfield to go with a young core of, of defensive guys on the front that showed some promise. You got your Sir Abdullah coming back. You got Monty Montgomery guys that can get after the quarterback. And that helps them fix some of the issues in the past defense that we saw the last couple of years. So outside of, before we talk about the, the other big news of, of the week on the recruiting front, you've got, Keetra Clark, you've now got Quincy Riley. We saw a little bit, uh, you know, we thought we were going to have Greedy Vance right here in this mix, and he goes to Florida State. We saw a little bit of Rance Connor last year. Uh, we've seen a little bit of Trey Franklin. Uh, who else is competing for these, I guess, the other starting cornerback job outside of Trey Clark? I know Chandler Jones has played there a lot. It seems like we now have at least some guys that give us a chance to have a, a solid secondary, or at least a boosted secondary, a, a secondary that looks better than we thought it was going to a few months ago. Right, so you you've got Brownlee, who's who's a guy coming from Florida State that you know obviously as a starter there, you know got beat some, made some big plays there. He's a guy. I mean, you, you know, you can't get much better than a guy that started at the Power Five level and started for Florida State. Then you have Jalen Alexander, a guy who started at Duke, uh, playing like a hybrid safety nickel role, which I think he will also play here. He'll be able to play at safety and also play a corner. Um, 
and then you, you've got, um, you know, Derek Edwards, a guy just like Rance Connor, played a little bit last year, but, you know, spent this entire spring. Those were the top two corners this spring. Everyone else is out other than Trey Franklin. Uh, Chandler Jones, obviously, is a, a fifth-year senior or sixth-year senior. You're not going to, you know, you don't really need him, you know, playing a lot of reps. So when we got to see the spring showcase, Derek Edwards and Rance Connor out there playing a lot, played pretty well from what, from what I saw. So now you have the opportunity to, to go four, five, six deep at corner. And, and, and also, I'm going to get his name wrong, but I want to say Jalen Williams, who played at USC uh, the last two years. I mean, those are guys that played at the Power 5 level and sometimes, or at least played at an all-conference level like Quincy Riley uh, that adds to what you already have. And then, it, you know, it's not just, you know, I, we use the bowl game a lot because they were so, they didn't have a lot of depth there. But you look at the fourth quarter throughout the year. And they were playing the playing most of their starters all game long, and so now you're able to play with some depth, some experienced depth, some talented depth, and then you're able to you know when the fourth quarter comes, you should have some more fresh bodies. Guys shouldn't be tired, and then you also have the ability to run different looks on your defense. There were just packages they couldn't run last year, you know, especially once Trey Clark went down. Now you're down to just a couple of corners. We saw that obviously some of those guys like a Trey Franklin struggled at times. And so you can't really trust everybody to go out there and be able to do everything you want. Now you have options. I mean, you know, this is the type of stuff that, you know, when you look at the best defenses in the country, it's not just that they have the best talent. It's that they're able to really play different guys, do different things, move guys around. And that's what I think they're going to be able to do. Uh, I think that that's my hope. You know, uh, they're, they're kind of at a prove-it-to-me point with the defense at this, at this point in the tenure of Brian Brown and Scott Satterfield. But I think they have more options. They have more pieces to be able to work with now. All right, let's talk about the, I, I think, the news from yesterday that made even more of a splash than uh, Quincy Riley committing to Louisville, and that's four-star cornerback Aaron Williams committing to car, the Cars. And it's one thing to call him a four-star player. He is the fifth highest-rated player to ever commit to Louisville football since star rankings became a thing. And even more than that, I mean, you always tell people, you always hear this, look at the offer sheet more than you, than you look at the stars, more than you look at the actual, you know, where you stand in the class rankings. And the offer sheet for this guy is as good as it gets. You got Bama, you got Georgia, you got LSU, you got Oregon, you got Oklahoma, you got USC, you got pretty much every big time name in college football. And here he is committing to Louisville. Uh, this is news that has understandably set the fan base kind of on fire. Like people are going nuts over this and deservedly. So this seems like a, a big time deal. Is he as good as his rankings would indicate uh, Keith? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is, you know, I, I, I compared him in, in the post I wrote about him, you know, not from a skill standpoint, but just from a size and, and frame to Sauce Gardner, who's going to be one of the top corners uh, drafted was, was in my opinion, the best cornerback in the nation in the last couple of years uh, playing at Cincinnati. He's tall, he's long, and he can really move for a guy that size. And when you, you know, a lot of bigger corners are inflexible and they don't really, they don't run very well. They maybe lack speed. He's got it all. I mean, he's a total package um, from that, like, you know, like I said, with the size, but how he uses his length to control receivers and press coverage, how he uses his length to uh, covered down the field and you know you see a lot of guys that can't really jump with those with, with big receivers or they don't you know they kind of panic when the ball's in there and they end up you know you know getting a pass interference call he plays with a confidence knowing that he has that size and length goes up and defends the pass really well uh, and he's physical you know I you know I watched his every highlight that he's had um, because that's the stuff that I do I guess and uh, it was really <laughs> interesting because you know there's a lot of film of him 
kind of shying away from tackling and whatnot. And I was kind of like, you know, maybe he's a kind of a Dion kind of guy. You know, I want to cover, but I don't want to hit. You watch, you know, you, you get really deeper into this film, and he's a physical guy. He'll go up and hit people um, and really does a good job tackling in open field. I, I think that, you know, uh, Louisville's had some, you know, obviously some great quarterbacks that have committed. Uh, they've had some, you know, really good receivers. You know, they, they really haven't had, other than maybe a Gerard Holloman, a, a really high-level defensive back like this that, like you said, the offers are just unbelievable. I mean, he, he left Louisville after his visit that he said completely, you know, changed his outlook on, on, on his recruitment and went to Alabama, and then he's still coming here. That, that, that is a point to me that I was like, that's just kind of, you know, usually you go on these visits to these blue bloods, and that's what, you know, changes these kids' minds. They might have said, hey, Louisville's an option, and they go to an LSU, they go to an Alabama, they go to a Georgia and Miami and things like that, and it's like, yeah, Louisville's a complete afterthought. You know, this this flipped it on his head. So, yeah, I think that's that's a huge factor in this. But this kid is 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 a truly talented kid that that is going to get here. And you know, if they can sign him and all that good stuff, and I think he's a guy that you know you could just put him out there at one of those corner spots next year. All right, we'll let you get out of here on this. Uh, there's obviously a lot of conjecture when when you're on a hot streak in recruiting. Who's next? Who's the next guy we're going to hear about? Who's the next guy that we could potentially get a commitment from? Uh, you mentioned Madden Sanker, who a lot of people feel good about. Not sure what his timeline is. But who should we be keeping an ear out for when it comes to the next uh, member of the 2023 class to potentially pop for the cars? You know, I, I think a guy that really look for is Javin Simpkins. Um, he's, it might be Javin, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I, these kids, I can't pronounce their names. Uh, but he's a, a, a four-star running back out of Miami. Uh, been he's been you know high on the list. He visited back uh, in uh, February when when Pierce Carson committed. Uh, he's been he's down to pretty much Louisville, Texas, UCF, and a couple other schools. Texas, he was committed to Georgia Tech, where Texas running running back coach came from. I feel like Louisville's in a good spot there. He seems to be the focus for the for the running back position. They're not really pursuing other guys. Uh, and Madden Singer Sanker is a guy that I think could be a summer time commitment. They're going to have to fight off Georgia, where he's from, which is still insane to think about. They're, they're going up against a school like Georgia and actually have a chance. Uh, but I think it'll be sometime in the summer when they start their camp series and when they start uh, having more official visits. I think we'll start seeing guys that Simpkins is a guy that I feel personally could be the next guy to pop. All right, Keith. I appreciate it as always. Follow him on Twitter at Keith underscore win. Read his stuff at Card Chronicle. He's going to make you a smarter uh, football fan. We're excited. Fun times are here. Let's get it rolling, and let's make sure we win some games this fall. It's going to be fun. We're, we're all pumped. Uh, Keith, appreciate the time as always, man. Happy weekend to you. All right. Thanks for having me on, man. All right, Keith. Uh, spreading the gospel, as always. I was my big takeaway there. I mean, we know how good Aaron Williams is just based on the fact that we're beating out Bama, Georgia, LSU, and everybody else for his services. The Quincy Riley thing. I read Keith's write up on him on Card Chronicle, and I mean, don't get me wrong, it made it sound like it was a big deal. But he's talking about him in terms of being a key Troll Clark type player, if not better. If you've got Trey Clark, who again, when he was healthy a couple of years ago, was first team All ACC. He was preseason first team All ACC before last year. Didn't say healthy. If Quincy Riley is as good or better, you got two all-conference corners out there. That has to make you feel much, much better about this defense, or at least it should, if, if he's that good. And then the back end, I think, should be you know, the, the safeties we're bringing in, the safeties we're bringing back in Kendrick Duncan. Like I think you feel okay about that. And that's the that was sort of the biggest thing we needed to address this offseason for next year specifically. And it sounds like Satterfield and company are doing a good job of doing that. 
Brown's running out of excuses. Well, he doesn't have any more. This, this is it. Like, if, yeah, if this mean, defense isn't markedly better this season, uh-uh, I mean, it's got gone. No, it's got me gone. It's got nowhere to go but up, right? I mean, yeah. there's, there's no way you can go any farther. I mean, Lightning Air Force looked like the 2000 St. Louis Rams is about the, as low as you can go, I think, defensively. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I've got to give some shine before we go to break I, here. I, I took the fact that, that Satterfield thought we were going to be Clemson when he got here. It's like... Yeah, it's easy to be Clemson when you signed Deshaun Watson in your first one of your first classes. So. Well, he, I mean, he said that. Like he made that. We, we kind of want to follow what Clemson was doing, and I think he needed to realize that it was doing what Dabo was doing was more than just the all shucks accent and like yeah. demeanor in press <laughs> conference. Like you have to actually go out there. I don't know if you looked at the recruiting rankings. Like they were. Clemson wasn't swimming in the like forty-five to fifty recruiting no. ranking waters when he first got there. Like, mean, you got to have the players. Clemson's a, a good program with history obviously the national channel game with danny ford back in 81 but i mean other than that i mean they've always been like a, a consistent seven eight win teams uh, almost consistently through through history and through the decades and you know always a bridesmaid never a bride type thing until sweeney uh till dabbo got him over the hump but you know again he got him over the hump it didn't hurt that he signed deshaun watson like the number one quarterback in the country uh is like was this i think that was the second year as head coach i think when he signed deshaun I want to say sounds right. I think he took over his interim. 2014 was the first year Watson played. I know that. Yeah, and and Sweeney and, and Dabo took over like as interim coach, right? And then finished the season. I think that off season is when he signed. It was Watson. early on. I know that. Yeah. So it yeah, but that's the point. Yeah, it helps when you can sign the number one player in the country. I've got to give some shine while we're talking Card Chronicle real quickly here. Yeah. My guy Connor Shea. He wrote it. He kind of I don't know if he made this happen, but so he has been adamant about the fact we're getting all these big recruits on campus mm-hmm. yeah, they love doing the thing that kids love doing now which is getting pictures for the gram that they can share you put the jersey on it's called the gram now it's, it's always been called the gram I didn't know you pose in front of the green screen or in our case the red screen and you, you're catching the balls you're, you're you're running with them and you can turn that into like very cool graphics that kids love sharing and connor had been very perturbed by the fact that like our photo shoot setup had this red carpet slash turf that would get torn up because kids are wearing the actual game cleats in these pictures and so he kept he would keep pointing out like these pictures are awesome it's really cool but look at the bottom like there's like holes in the in in the the red carpet now i gotta look it up i've never noticed it well go to car chronicle he wrote an extensive thing about this so (laughs) after he complained for uh, made a couple of complaints about this louisville laid down like turf in the photo shoot area so you've got green, what looks like actual game field turf, where these kids are taking pictures now. The laying down of that turf just so happened to coincide with this run of recruiting success that is unprecedented uh, amongst oh. U of L football. So Connor, in true card chronicle form, giving himself credit for helping produce the greatest class in the history of Louisville football. And I don't think it's a stretch to say it. Lucky Astro Turf has changed the game. It's turned Louisville football into a national powerhouse. And that's it. We're done. That's all we needed to do. Pops for him also noticing that the the, the the torn up floor. I never would have noticed it before. I would have assumed it was some sort of quirky graphic. I mean, I'm, I, I go to like Shawshank. I mean, how often do you look at somebody's feet? Yeah. I <laughs> could not agree more. It's a great line. How often do you? Uh, we got to go break. When we come back, we got one hour left. I want to talk more about the DJ Wagner stuff that's out there. Also, Kentucky fans are doing something. 
I can't figure out if they're serious. I just saw this during the because Matt tweeted out. Yeah, that's the reason I noticed this too. And I know it's a it's kind of a joke, but it also scares me that they may be able to manifest this. Oh, so we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll take your text at 502-414-1450. Hour number three on the way next here at the Mike Rutherford Show on fourteen fifty The Big X. o'clock hour of the Mike Rutherford Show. Getting underway here. Hope you're having a fantastic Friday and you're getting ready for your weekend. Easter weekend on the horizon. I know everybody's going to be busy. Or a lot of people are going to be busy. Hope you spend some time. My mom still gives me an Easter basket. It's oh, a, I still get one every year. And it's still it's the same basket that I used to get when I was a kid. I've been getting it for over 30, oh, really? almost 35 years, yeah. Well, now we get like a I get like a joint basket with for Mary and I. Like we get like my mom makes one for for both of us, which is, you know, I don't like sharing, but whatever. You could you, you could your basket as a kid, you could give now to Virginia. I don't think I had like the same one every single year. Oh, okay. Mine's a sim- it still has my name written on it. The woven. See, school, I never had the personal. The old one. school woven. I mean, it's. I just had like the you know whatever. Like here's we bought this basket. Go hunt. Oh, well, yeah. Virginia's got one with her name on it. I think we got one with John. I remember, lower middle class over here. We recycle the basket. Well, same. Yeah. Was, yeah. Like I, no. I, th- that was us growing up. We had the same one. It's just like it was. There was nothing personalized about it. It was like oh, okay. here's this wicker basket. Like go out there and. Plus, yeah, yeah. I just I guess for some reason it just stayed in our our family. My mom just my mom puts some stuff, but she always puts like some Reese cups and you know goodies in there and hands it to me. Would you like to start the five o'clock hour with some positive Louisville women's basketball news? I saw this, but I'll let you act like you. I'm learning it for the first time. Great. We I think we've talked about the fact that the women's basketball team, you know, they're they're popping up in some of these early rankings for next season, and they're not nearly as high as we think that they're going to be when all said and done. And part of the reason for that confidence is, you know, we're bringing back some key parts of last year's Final Four team, but also Jeff Walsh has been killing it in the transfer portal in recent years. Emily Angsler, who just got drafted number four overall in the WNBA draft, transfer from Syracuse. Just, I, I know you're not going to be able to answer this question, but I'm assuming she wasn't a first-round projection coming out of Syracuse her senior year. She wasn't. I mean, she was seen yeah. as a very talented player that had some issues, coachability issues. She yeah. wasn't in great playing shape. and I mean, she's admitted all this, and she's yeah. credited uh, Jeff Walls for getting the best out of her, and she was able to showcase her like total skill set this past year, I think. And uh, you know, her and Kiana Smith, who also was a transfer, wind up becoming draft picks in the WNBA. Where did uh, she transfer from? Keanu Smith, mm-hmm. Cal, okay. but she wasn't. She's been with Louisville for for like I think years. a couple of years. She wasn't like Angler was a grad transfer. Gotcha. But we've gotten like for the most part, we've gotten transfers a lot of times from the ACC that have come here and had a whole lot of success. And hopefully now we have the next person to add to that list, and it's Morgan Jones from Florida State, who has been a cardinal killer throughout her career. I mean, she has played. She's played well against everybody, but she had played especially well uh, against us. She is a like Angsler grad transfer, six foot two guard. She played four seasons at FSU. 
She started this past year uh, 29 games, averaged a team high, led the team in scoring, 13.8 points per game, had 23 double-figure scoring games, and six 20-plus point games, including her season high coming against Louisville in January where she scored 28. Um, also had 33 steals and 30 blocks. Could you say 6'2 guard? 6'2 guard. Pretty big for women's basketball, right? It is. This is what I mean. This is what Walt likes to, likes to yeah, do. Yeah, I mean, when I hear six two, I think power forward almost in women's basketball. I mean, Angsler, who was you know six four, six three, was listed as a guard last year. She could do a little bit of everything, but you know, primarily she still was our probably our best shot blocker and yeah. one of our best rebounders. But she has a skill set of a guard, plays out there on the perimeter. Yeah, you're right. That's what that's what Walls is. He's just way ahead of his time in terms of women's sports. Yeah, I mean, he she fits the mold of what how Jeff Walls likes to play. And also, I I mean, you lose Angsler, who was, I think, as valuable defensively as she was on offense. You're replacing her now. And and I'm not saying that that she's going to be like a just – we're just bringing in Morgan Jones to be a replacement for Emily Angsler. But this is a player who was all ACC defensive team last year. She's a maybe even better – defensive player than she is on offense despite being a 1000 point career score and like i said leading a pretty good florida state team in scoring last year this is a big addition and i don't think that you know walls is done he typically is taking two or three women in the transfer portal the last couple of years to fill positions of need and i think you're going to get more i I think we're we're probably going to keep killing in the portal but this is a big addition for next season i'm excited about it we've got uh, our recruiting class looking like just for the ladies Going into next season, I'm assuming it's, it's not quite as, as, as. We're usually in the top ten at least, though, right? I mean, yeah, I think we looked this up before. I think we were like number maybe. twelve or so. Um, it's it's not quite as. Do we not have a stud coming in? Because I feel like we usually at least get the one like star recruit, whether it be you know Durr or Evans or, or Haley, or Haley or whomever. You know, Shimmel was a decent recruit. Mm-hmm. If I remember right. Um, I don't know if Angel was, but you know we don't have that player in this year's class. We don't. Okay, I think we ha- we have. I think I think. I want to say we have four players now committed. The highest ranked is uh, Nyla Harris, who's thirty fifth, coming out of Florida. But I mean, they're all. But we still have Haley, though. At least, obviously. So. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're all top one hundred players. All four of them. Um, the most recent we just got uh, was Jalen Brown. I think was her name. Uh, she's she, a, a seventy eighth. She's down. She's a four star player. They're all four stars. What you need to look at is the class where Haley's going to be senior. That's when we bring in the star freshman to groom for one year under her, and then they take over. That's that's our process, right? Pretty much. Yeah, we bring we bring in the superstar recruit the, when our other superstar recruits a senior. I mean, I think people see that you know, understandably. Haley Van Lith is going to demand a lot of the offensive workload next year. And then in, on the inside, you've got Olivia Cochran, who's coming back. She's starting center this past year. She's yeah. going to dominate most of the front court. And then you also, I mean, you look at the, the the players who didn't see a whole lot of action. Peyton Verholst was a McDonald's All-American, who was our she's our first or second player off the bench this year, but played sparingly okay. for what you would expect. She was a freshman. I think you expect her to take a giant step forward and be even better. And now you're bringing in some grad transfers. Good. So It's going to be a good year. It should be a great year. I wonder where the Final Four is we go to next year. I don't know where the, the, the Final the Four is next year. I don't year. remember. I, can, I, mean, I don't even know where the men's is, to be honest with you. I can't remember. I don't. I, I want to say it's... Indianapolis? I want to say it's back to Indianapolis. I mean, next it's, year. Almost, it's, it's like the one place you can always guess and be at least like one out of five chance of being right. It's uh, The women's Final Four is in Dallas next year. Okay. Cleveland two years from now. Cleveland, not a great really? city, but not hard to get to from here. Cleveland. Men's Final Four next year is in... It just says United States. That's <laughs> uh, it's in Houston. Okay, Houston is the men's final four next year. I mean, come on, can we give a little more respect? I mean, we're really sending the women's final four to Cleveland. I mean, is that 
I haven't. Fun times I, in Cleveland I, today. I mean, having no offense, I believe Troy's not listening as a Cleveland guy, but I mean, if, I mean, have I mean, should, did we learn a lesson from the whole gym video? You know how we, we we treat the men differently than the women. Yeah, this may I be mean, the biggest. Like you could tell them that we're, you're getting all the same. Like they can use the March Madness name. Yeah. They're, they're staying in the same level of hotels as the men's tournament. They're getting the same you know television you know coverage. But you send them to Cleveland. They're like, well, we still got a long ways to go. I mean, when's the last time Cleveland had a chance to host like a men's bottle for? I mean, they couldn't even keep LeBron. He's from there. The lack of <laughs> twice. <laughs> there's never been a greater disparity than there's right now. It's like, well, we, we did all these things. Yeah, you sent us to Cleveland. <laughs> the worst it's ever been. Seriously. All right, we've got uh, some some other quick hoops news to get to before I, I get back to a little bit of DJ Wagner talk um, and address the texts that have come in on him. Noah Locke just announced his commitment Ooh. 15 minutes ago. I missed this. Where? Take a guess. Just guess. Can you give me, can you give me a hint? Power conference program. Not Okay, I'm gonna. I think. I think. Okay, you said what? Something. I didn't maybe, say Power Five. Yeah, I think you're thinking Big. Kind of gave it away. A yeah, little bit. yeah. That's because you know how I am about that. Uh, I'm gonna say Marquette. Close, because it was in the Big East. I guess. Okay, yes, yes, yes. And also, I feel like this program's kind of on Marquette's level. Okay. Providence. Ooh, interesting. No luck. Going to the reigning Big East regular season so the champions. The rumor of us getting Ed Cooley turned out to be Ed Cooley getting one of our players. He just really wanted to coach Noah Locke. He just really wanted to coach Noah Locke. <laughs> I wish Noah nothing but success. I know that hey, he... I said Matt Cross was heading up to the Northeast. I guess I was just wrong about why I was close. I am curious to see how this relationship works out. Because when you think Ed Cooley in Providence, you think... They're going to play some ugly basketball. They're going to. It's going to be tough-minded, def- defense-driven success. That's not exactly what screams Noah Locke. Yeah, but it does Noah Locke does. I can see that. But Noah they need Locke. some scoring. Who's the guy from IU they had last year? The grad transfer. That's the oh the um, the kid who just declared for the draft. Yeah, it was Xavier um, or something, wasn't it? Or, Al Durham. No, Al Durham. Yes, thank yeah. you, Al Durham. Locke and Dur- Durham is. I can see. Cause I can see him replacing Durham as the. Kind of gun on the team. He's not as good as Al Durham. Well, and Al Durham's not that great. So I Al Durham mean, could get to the basket though. Yeah, and Al Durham, but Al Durham's kind of a kind of a ball hog gun a little he bit. He is, but he doesn't, and he didn't shoot the three well. Like that's. But I could say the same. The same lock taking that maybe in a different way, but still the same premise of being kind of the the the, the go to option weapon offensively. But if that's what they're looking for, no lock <sighs> exactly. You're that's, going to be a serious disappointment. You need a playmaker next to him. <laughs> yeah, we we know that firsthand. But he got more out of Durham than I think anybody would have expected. He did. I mean, he's. I watched he, Al Durham at IU. I he got more out of Al Durham than I saw at IU. Durham was their best player in the tournament when they went to the yeah. 16. Like yeah. he was, and they they lose the Justin Manai kid. I think his. I know he's entered the draft. I don't know if he's left open the possibility of coming back, but uh, we'll see how that plays out. But it, it seems like a good spot for Noah Locke, I, and I hope he has success. He. I mean, was frustrating to watch at times this past year, but I think we also he also wasn't used properly. Like he's a great catch and shoot guy who, you know, we didn't we we maybe it's our fault. I don't know how much it is us getting him because we told him we could you know let him play on the ball a little bit more and showcase his entire skill set. But I, I think as, as as much as he made that little kind of fadeaway jumper inside the lane sometimes, like like let's be real. He's a catch and shoot guard. Yeah. And he would have been, if he had played that role on it with better pieces around him, I think he would have had a much, much more successful season. And we all would have appreciated more of what Noah Locke brings to the table because he is, I mean, he's a great catch and shoot guy. The problem just, is, is we had catch and shoot guys like him and Cross. We just said nobody get in the lane to, to throw it to him. 
Well, Cross is a catch-and-shoot guy. He wasn't exactly a catch-and-make guy. <laughs> I know Locke didn't shoot it. <laughs> I know Noah Locke didn't shoot it quite as well as we were hoping this year, but you could still see. I mean, he still he shot it well enough. Cross just couldn't make what did, anything. What, did, what was it end up being his, his final statistics for the season in terms of three-point percentage for Locke? Was it low, less than 33, right? It was No. It was his worst percentage of all time, but it still was 34.2. I was close, 33, 34, okay. You forget that there was like that. Cross was at like 22. <laughs> yeah, Cross just never came around. There was that stretch at the beginning of ACC play where Noah Locke was like unconscious. Like yeah. where he, he like, it was like six of eight one time for three. And then, you know, it was like four or five. Like he had that great stretch after such a slow start. So he still, it was his worst statistical shooting season. He also played fewer minutes than he had since his freshman season at Florida. Um, but he's still, I mean, 35% three-point shooter who's a career right around 40% three-point shooter, you can find a place for him at a power conference program, and that's why he's at Providence. Uh, another name of note around Providence. these parts, Sean East, who, if you're like, man, I remember that guy from I, like the first Ramsey and Rutherford show, you guys were talking about him. Yeah, he played with <laughs> Romeo Langford uh, at New Albany. He actually grew up in Louisville. He went to Ramsey Middle School. I know that. Went to New Albany for high school. Was the point guard on the Romeo Langford teams. What's at, the, does that Rondell Moore was the point guard when he won the state title? Rondell Moore? No, he's at Trinity. No, he transferred to Trinity. Though. I know, but it, he, I don't think he like Langford is. He started it. He grew up. In I the know, team, yeah. but I don't think he was on those those teams. He certainly. Sean East was the point guard on their their best teams. I can tell you that for a fact okay. because we got texts every single day. Like, how are you not taking Romeo Langford's point guard, Sean East? He's he's the most underrated player. Um, he ended up going to UMass his freshman season. Was okay. He got kind of thrust into a starting role because they had so many injuries. He transferred to Bradley. Didn't have great numbers there. Transferred to John Logan Community College, which is where uh, City Curry played, Jay Scrub played, and became one of the most highly sought-after JUCO players in the country. I think he averaged like 30 points per game last year. He is going to, drumroll, Missouri. So props to him. Hopefully he ends his – people are like, he's still playing. I'm like, he's got like two years (laughs) of eligibility, maybe three if he really wants it. But uh, Sean East – Solid talent. I know some people want, were interested if we would get involved with him, potentially bringing him back home, but I don't think it, there was any sort of mutual interest there, but he is going to Mizzou. It was going to bog me. Yeah, yeah. Rondon Moore played his freshman and sophomore year with Langford at, at, at New Albany, right. transferring his junior year to Trinity. Mm-hmm. But I, but I, they won the state title, I want to say his sophomore year. I couldn't tell you. All I know is the, the last year that Langford was at New Albany. East was the point guard. Okay, yeah, that's when they, yeah, they didn't, yeah, that, yeah, they didn't win. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm almost positive Rondon because the backcourt was more in Langford and they beat uh, uh, Fennessy in the state title game, I believe. Who's that, also going somewhere else? Well, Fennessy's now. Oh, he is. He's leaving IU. I thought that's right. Isn't he it? would be a grad transfer if he is. Yeah, I believe he he's in the portal. I think he may have actually committed. I just can't remember where. I could be wrong on that. I'm pretty sure they won their state title though in, in Langford's sophomore year. Because he got injured like his junior year. It doesn't matter. There's yeah, like 17 state titles in Indiana. Right? <laughs> they're, they're all cowards. I should know these because we had them on the air. I mean, it's New Albany. We're like right up like a bite next to New Albany. Dennison, are you listening? You're not listening. Yeah, come on, Dennison. <laughs> Let us know. Indiana oh, yeah. Larry, you texted in the show. Let us yeah, know. thank you. There you go. Um, I don't know where Finnessy's going. He's not a bad. He's not a bad. I, I wouldn't mind. I mean, I don't think we were, we'd get him, but I would take Finnessy on a team. I mean, he's, I think he's a good college point guard. For some reason, like I always a think that he's playing point guard, nonetheless. But still, whenever I watch Indiana, he's always having like a huge impact, whether it's hitting a big shot. So I assume he's like this this huge like second or third leading scorer. And then I look at his stats, I'm like, oh, he's averaging six point seven points per game or something like that. I'm like, I thought he, I just assumed he was good. He's like one of the guys that I, whose name I know. Um, but 
whatever. He's, I can't confirm, by the way, yes. Guess what? Ronda Moore and Langford was the backcourt of the starting national, of the state title team. So they won his sophomore year? They won his sophomore year. Gotcha. And then he got, he got in this, they lost in the quarterfinals his junior year after Moore left. Yeah, if Moore stayed, I mean, they could have won maybe three straight titles. I don't think I knew that he was that good at basketball. He supposedly was really good at basketball. I remember hearing about him at football. Like I remember when it was when it was being worked on that he was going to transfer to Trinity. Like my my friend's dad, who coaches there and has coached there forever, was like, "He's the next one." Because like, I, I listen, you need to know this name. I listened to that title game. I remember that was the big deal. It was it was more length for basically versus Fantasy and Fantasy. I bought to say was a sophomore in high school as well, taking his team to a state title. So it was the and the New Albany's first state title since nineteen seventy three. Wow. Well, you know, back then it meant something. Now it means nothing. <laughs> hey, leave Abraham Lincoln alone. It means nothing. Well, he's ours. Kentucky's. Kentucky's Abraham Lincoln. This is the land of Lincoln, the true land of Lincoln. You remember when his dad called him Lincoln? Yeah, oh yeah. They, yeah. I thought that was the preacher. Was the preacher? Maybe it was. Yeah, you're right. Maybe it was the preacher. The, yeah. the way that he, it was like he thought about it too. Like he didn't plan that comment. He's like, Romeo is kind of like Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> I'm like, well. Here we go. That was a KRC running joke, by the way. Oh, still it was a running there. joke for everybody. Yeah, we still refer to him as Lincoln, pretty much. <laughs> and then the guy spelled out, like I think the same, I think it was the preacher, too, who also, like, can I get a I? Can I get an N? They kept, they kept going, you're like, where is it? And it spelled out integrity, and it's like, is, is this really necessary? Like, you could have just made this spiel about your, your, on your own. Like, whatever. Um, I also wanted to mention this. There is a, one of the signature venues in all of college sports, is getting a name change. Won't, won't, not by me. I refuse to recognize. Will this. not either. Won't won't do it. This then is, again, I still call. I still think the Padres play in Jack Murphy Stadium. But it's so. What does that say about me? This is me being the old guy. Yeah. I, I'm not acknowledging this. If you haven't seen it, the Carrier Dome Which, is no more. Would, no, no, Carrier Dome will forever be the Carrier Dome officially is no more. Syracuse and Carrier have negotiated a settlement to terminate the li- terminate the lifetime naming rights deal. And I kind of, when I read the details, I understand where Syracuse is coming from because, I mean, naming rights, we found this out with Papa John, like, it's, it's a big deal. It's a oh, lucrative business. Yeah. You pay a lot of money. The naming, the agreement that they had with Carrier was struck in 1973 and for $2.75 million. And that's it. Like, they had the naming rights forever. That is one like, of the worst deals you could ever have negotiated. That's right up there with the uh, the St. Louis uh, uh, getting uh, NBA TV rights in purgatory when the the, the St. Louis flight ABA team. You heard this story? The no. Where, where the, when the ABA was demerged, the St. Louis team. I'm forgetting their nickname now. Uh, the owners decided instead of taking going to the NBA or taking the buyout, they shrewdly made the deal where. They would accept a percentage of TV contracts from the NBA in purgatory, which that's hmm. that right? By the way, purgatory is right. Yeah, no, okay, no perpetuity. Oh, I thought you meant. I thought you no. meant from like yeah. in, in a. Let's say purgatory is where you go if you're like a non baptized baby. Yeah. Purgatory is limbo. It's <laughs> yeah. The area in between. No. Per, uh, per, uh, perpetuity. Yes, forever. So, which at the time the NBA is like. You want our TV deal? We play. Well, our finals don't even get on live television. Which, in fairness, there was only three channels. You know, so yes, yeah, so it seemed like a you know it's like this blunder of a deal by St. Louis. It's not like John even John White Brown seemed smart, but in the end, when those TV times started coming in, in the eighties, late eighties, early nineties, these guys, these two owners made billions. Wow! They finally, in the NBA, finally bought them out. I think about four or five years ago, and ended up just getting out of it. But that's. A, very similar to us, what he's his name of. I will call it the Carrier Dome forever. 
It'll be always be the carrier dome. I, I refuse to change. No. I'm not going to change. It's going to feel weird. And till the day it was exploded, I still called it the Hoosier Dome. Deservedly so. Yeah, I mean. But you do kind of get a glimpse into, remember when we would grow up when we were kids and you'd hear your parents say something like that that would just sound so ancient? And they'd be like, well, I remember it when it was, and I'm going to call it that till I die. And you're like, well, that's dumb. That's not what it's called. Like, I've only known it as this. It's like I said, and Jack now Murphy you're Stadium. getting, now we're on the other side and you're realizing where they were coming from because I've, it's been the carrier dome my whole life. It's one of the most iconic venues in college sports. Mm-hmm. I, I, remember, I still remember, um, Adrian, I can't remember what his last name was. He ended up, he, he died a few years ago, unfortunately, but he did a, a feature during a Syracuse football game where he went to the very top of the dome and like looked down through like the little hole they have at the very top. Crazy. I didn't like, know there was a hole up there. Yeah, it's, it's the whole thing. Like, you know, everybody knows the Carrier Dome. It's gigantic. It's the reason why Syracuse is always top three in, in college basketball attendance. Uh, people talk about how hot it is when you get in there and how weird it is that you can't close the door yourself and all that stuff. And I'm not going to call it anything else. I feel like I won't. I feel like the only, the one I still hold on to the most with that philosophy is baseball like i just mentioned like i've mentioned it twice now the padres where it's still it's still technically the, the murph is what they play in but they call it what do they call Peco. it so it'll always be jack murphy stadium to me uh you i think fulton county stadium still down there in atlanta I mean, well because a new stadium that that said which year they've been like nine <laughs> yeah, of them true because people keep dying so like we got to make a new one someone died here uh no the other one and i know it's not it's not the same stadium but i always refer to i mean san francisco it's always gonna be candlestick to me. Texas has uh, Commonwealth Stadium, which I kind of agree with. Yeah, I'll, I'll always call it Commonwealth. The, the Raj. I n- I know this. I know. Listen, I get that. You know, for whatever reason, you don't want to get. It's gonna still be Papa John's Cardinal Stadium. I'm, I still. Call, oh, I, I've moved on. I'm, not, I'm. I was happy to cut Papa out of my vernacular. See, I'm not because I always thought I always liked the nickname calling it the Big Oven or the Big Slice. I, was, I thought I like that. I like those. I, I was down that down those paths. Yeah. That's fine. Is there one for is there one for you that other than the Courier Dome now? That is there a baseball like I know you still have Riverfront? No, <laughs> I, I don't even do that for some reason. They're really, I mean, not really. Oh, even my own team right here, Sky Dome. You don't call you you won't acknowledge the new name. It's well, it's the Rogers Center, but I always consider I, I'm if you ask me, I'm just going to be like Sky Dome probably. I'm fine. I, I'm fine with that. Even I mean, it's the same building built in 1977 or 1989. Excuse me, 1989, but uh, it's now called the Rogers Center officially. All right, let's go to the text line, 502-414-1450. We've, we've kind of been – it's been a text light show today, so Has we're going to really try to been? get – we haven't gotten to many of, the, of these texts. We did a little bit the first hour, but we've had, we've had our own stuff to talk about, so sure. we've gotten into that. Uh, text, I like this text. Does anyone else feel kind of sorry for DJ Wagner having to make this decision? There's a lot of pressure for a kid, and it seems like it's not going to be about what he wants but what his family does. Maybe I'm wrong, but it just feels like he's going to be disappointing somebody. You can say that about a lot of recruits, but yeah. You can't, but his situation is absolutely unique. I mean, you're potentially going to have your grandfather on the Louisville staff where he played. You clearly have ties to Louisville. At the same time, your dad played for John Calipari, who, according to the story told by both sides, is single, almost single-handedly the reason why your dad didn't miss out on $8 million of professional contract money. Oh, no, he got drafted because he got, I mean, how did Cal get him drafted? Because he he wanted him. to come back to school. Cal said, I'm not reserving a roster place for you. You're going to the NBA. That's it. Medical condition gets discovered a year and a half later. He wouldn't have made that money if he'd stayed at Memphis. Like, it's... Whether it's true or not, it doesn't matter whether you believe it. The family believes it, and they feel strong allegiance towards John Calipari for that reason. Um, And also, I mean, you know, his dad coached under John Calipari, or his grandfather also coached under John Calipari. So 
he's going to be disappointing somebody or some buddies who he has a strong loyalty to. And also, like, it's a huge deal. Like, you're going to be smack in the middle of this rivalry. And you didn't, like, you didn't ask to be in this position. You didn't ask to be, one, this good, or two, in the middle of a rivalry that you really have no direct, like, he grew up in New Jersey. He's got no direct ties to Kentucky or Louisville. But if he picks Louisville, Kentucky fans are going to hate him. If he picks Kentucky, Louisville fans are going to feel animosity towards him. Like, there's going to be, he's going to be booed by the other team's fan base when he plays in that game in December of, of 2023. It's a, it's a huge deal. No. And I, th- there is a part of me that, and it's hard to feel that bad for a future millionaire, but there's a part of me that feels bad for him in that respect. No, I do feel bad for him. I, I mean, I agree. I, I mean, I feel bad for him until the day he makes, signs that first check, you know, but you can say that again about a lot of, I mean, a lot of recruits. I mean, Romeo Langford, for instance, I'm sure took a lot of pressure going to IU and, you know, as being a local kid. And when you had, especially when you wanted to go to Louisville. Yeah. And, and other schools, even, and I'm sure there's other schools involved as well that he was, they could have been better options, Kansas or whatever. I know he was recruited heavily by them at the time. So, yeah, I mean, and you know what? If, I, if I'm talking to DJ, I'm like, listen, I, I get you want to, you know, appease the family a little bit with the ties. But I mean, if that was the case, then your dad would have gone to Louisville in the first place and wouldn't have even gone to Memphis when he set that trend and, and bucked the trend of not going to Louisville to start with. Yeah, I mean, he, he, your dad was somewhat of a, 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 a trendsetter with doing that. Do your thing. If that means Louisville because you like Kenny Payne, or if that means Kentucky with Cal, that's fine. I mean, he would be when you're the first guy. Like John Wall, you always think about that him being the start of the Calipari era, right? Like even though he had DeMarcus Cousins, he had some other guys in line before. It was, you're talking about a Kentucky. A Kentucky. Yeah, okay. It was like you remember John Wall as the guy who got that thing going. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Even though Wagner won't be a part of Louisville's first class if he commits, I think we're still going to, if this does happen, if if this happens and then we have a run of recruiting success and Kenny Payne gets the program back to where we expect it to be in a short period of time, like he's known as that guy for Louisville. And he's, he, he's sort of like – I think held in very high regard. He finds his own place in Louisville basketball lore. Like it's a it's a big time deal. And I don't think that you get that same type of notoriety if you go to Kentucky or really if you go anywhere else at this point. Like Louisville is in a unique spot for being one of the the, the top programs in, in the sport and now being on the verge of competing with the best in the sport when it comes to recruiting. Like he would he'd carve himself a niche. Like everybody even if his season didn't go tremendously he'd still be remembered as the guy who got the ball rolling if that does come. And, and there's something to be said for that. Uh, Texture says, word is that DJ Wagner knows behind the scenes that his grandfather is going to be the final piece of the coaching staff at UofL. Insiders understand that this is a pivotal part of his decision, meaning that DJ Swag, as he's known by his teammates, will be a Cardinal. Love it. I, I did Brand. see our guy TJ Walker squirming a little bit. Who's scoring a little bit this morning? Because <laughs> TJ has so remained. He's going to blame this on Grayson Allen. <laughs> he has remained resolute through this entire process that he's going to be a Wildcat. Like, oh, he's not. Get, he's not. He's not coming off that 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 ledge, huh? He's starting to a little bit. He's starting. He's starting to pivot a little bit too, because he said this morning, like uh, he's like he's like I don't see what what was his response to it. He's like he's like he's clearly is something, but like I'm still thinking he's going to end up here, but can't ignore that. And he went on to say, as long as UK gets one of Dillingham or Wagner, I'll be happy. The optics of losing Wagner to L wouldn't be great, even with landing Dillingham. 
Branham doesn't throw around predictions all willy-nilly, so definitely an interesting development, but I'd still be surprised. And then he followed that up. Wait, because, did you transcript KRC this morning? No, this is his tweet. Oh, a tweet. I thought you said this morning. Okay, so he me. couldn't. This, well, this was this morning. <laughs> So yeah, you don't see tweets before I know two p.m. Well, so. I thought you were talking about. It. I said this like, like, did you get, like, do we get a stenographer or KRC? Or so he sends that tweet and then he has to follow it up because he's like, oh my god, I'm giving a little too much credit. Yeah, I actually give a slight edge to Dillingham, but both are studs, and I gladly <laughs> would take either. It's already happening. The no, pivot's can, already yeah, happening. You got a piece of pen. By the way, just 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 throw it out there, and, and just the line, stars are aligned. Dewan Wagner was Cal's second class. I like that. Just saying, everything's. Just saying. I, I like that. Uh, Texas says, DJ Swag's on his way. Time to touchdown. Payton knows the objective. Landing DJ will most definitely signify a shifting of the tide in the rivalry. Go Cards. Love it. I think it would, definitely. Texas, would you legally change your son's name to Thomas Crean Jr. for a men's basketball, women's basketball, and football national championship all in the same calendar year? Yeah. Tom. I, I just call him Tom. How could he call him Thomas Green Jr. if you're, if you're not Tom Thomas Green Jr.? That was the question. I, I'll do it. My answer is yes. Would change his name. He's young. He doesn't know what's going on. Tom kind of sounds like John. He responds the same way. Uh, Texas, Cal is officially on the hot seat if he loses Wagner to UVL. Yeah, he's coaching for his job. I think he's got on the hot seat when he lost to St. Peter's. He's right? on the hot seat right now. He's absolutely on the hot that seat. It's warming up. Um, man. Uh, Texas says, I will light myself on fire if we get DJ Wagner. Seems like it should be the opposite. <laughs> Seems like you should have the... I'm going to hold you to this, Texer. <laughs> Texas says, Trevor, did you just say that the Padres play in Jack Murphy Stadium? That S-hole was raised. The Pods have been playing in a real baseball park since the 90s. Petco Park is one of the best in the nation. I do hear that from everybody who goes there. I mean, but isn't Petco, isn't that, isn't that the former Jack Murphy? It's the same place, right, technically, isn't it? He says it was raised. Oh, I, I could be wrong. I mean, I, I thought they were, though. Um, Texas my dad still calls Speedway Super America. <laughs> Do you remember convenient stores? Oh, yeah. I, I used to love, I, I still, my dad called, would always call them convenient. Some of this convenience store. I'm like, well, it's a Thornton's. He's like, well, no, it's the, Yeah, the, um, it's now a Spanish uh, grocery, but right, right by my house was a convenience store. They're all over the place. Yeah, I'd, good. I'd, you, had the, you had the sea. I'd, I'd ride yeah. my bike over there every day and, uh, uh, and get stuff. Yeah, I guess, yeah, Jack Murphy technically was closed in 1997. It, did last, it was last named SDCCU Stadium. Hmm. I didn't know that. I always thought it was the same place. My bad. Texas NKU ki- kids will always call their arena the BOK, Bank of Kentucky, because we were there when it was built. It's been through several name changes, but BOK in my heart. It's kind of how I feel now about the dome building downtown. Like it was the, I finally learned it was the Aegon Tower. I've never known its name. It's changed now. Like I think, yeah. I don't even know if it has a name now. I know Humana has, like they took up residence, but I don't, I don't think they, or Mercer, it was the Mercer Tower for, I always just call it the Aegon Tower. I've never known its name. I think we discussed this once, but I've never known its name. I just know it. But in his example, uh, on the same train, uh, same train of thought, the Sears Tower. Sears Tower is always going to anyway, that's that's maybe the best. It's one. had, I mean, I don't. Even, it's had like five changes since then. Always the Sears Tower. And it's always going to be Sears Tower yeah. for me. And Chicago ends will say the same thing. Probably never going to change, except for the ones who got there like you know five years. Or just ago. yeah, people are under fifteen and under in age. Texas, FYI, Cleveland has three pro sports teams, which is three more than Louisville has. <laughs> uh, not true. Racing Louisville, Lucid FC, and the Bats. Professional sports teams, three right there. Suck it. Yeah, you also have the worst Hall of Fame ever. And your city sucks. Yeah. Sorry. It's bad. Mistake by the lake. I've got one friend who lives in Cleveland. He's a lifelong Cleveland in, uh, Clevelander from uh, college, and he hates Cleveland. I, I, I have 
I know several people, including, you know, which we work with here, because a lot of them came down in the 90s through Lorraine, Ohio, and the Ford plant transfer. Uh, that's why a lot you'll have a lot of Cleveland fans down here. And most of them I know still love all the teams. But, yeah, they're, they're, they're content staying in Louisville, not moving back to lead Cleveland. Texas says Romeo lost his senior year to Warren Central in a buzzer beater against Warren Central, and the winning shot was David Bell, the stud wide receiver for Purdue. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. That's cool. That Indiana produces. Does it bother you? Indiana produces so much talent more than us. They do. There's I mean, no it's not around. even close. There's no way around it. It's not even close. Uh, Texas says Keith sounds legit excited, and this makes me stoked. Yeah, when Keith gets excited about stuff, typically it's not for no reason. Like when he, when he gets pumped about a guy, more times than not, that guy winds up being a pretty damn good player. So hearing him talk that way about Quincy Riley definitely made me excited. All right, we got to go take our last break. When we come back, there is a new job out there that I think would be perfect. For Trevor Kelsey, we're going to talk about that. We'll take more of your text as well. We'll wrap up this Friday show coming up after the break. Mike Weatherford Show rolls on next here on 1450 and 96.1, The Big X. Keep my resume. All right, admittedly, I've not been paying attention to the music. I, I know gonna, that I was going to ask. I know, you. I know, yeah. I know. I know that the theme was it's a revolves around a city where your grandparents were married. Yeah, I have not been paying enough attention to the songs to have any idea of what that city might be. Um, it's not Cleveland. <laughs> if if not, if it was, then I was going to feel very bad about some of the things that have been you said. You be both. <laughs> San Francisco. That uh, is correct. Okay. Oh my God! I literally just. just no, that's Grateful Dead, Steve Miller Band, Green Day, all uh, uh, Slide in the Family Stone, Jeff Airplane, a Journey, who was before they were known Journey, was known as the, uh, I believe they were the the like the Golden Gate Chorus Group, is what they were called. All right, well there you go. They were all from knew it all along. Uh, my grandparents were married on April fifteenth, just as the National United National Conference began in San Francisco, which would in, which would go on for several months and signed in July the United Nations. Oh, they were cool. they were married in the building right next to where that was beginning. That's a cool fact. I like yeah. that. And like the wedding pictures, you can see in the back, like people all walking in the background of the like into the the building where that was done. Very cool. Yeah, we got about what fifteen minutes here. We're gonna take a, as many texts as we can. I've also got a, uh, a new job potential for Trevor Kelsey. Uh, before we do, Texter brings up a good point. What does it pay? I don't matter. I'll take it. We've mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> we've mentioned. Danny Manning and Nolan Smith both have associate head coach in their social media bios. The release that came from UofL today did refer to Manning as the associate head coach. The one with Nolan Smith, and maybe just a misstep, maybe it's in you know some sort of oversight, did not refer to him as associate head coach, just said assistant. And so I said, you know, who cares? Semantics. I don't care. Yeah. Let's go ahead and name the, the the third assistant. Make him associate head coach too. Three associate head coaches. It does bring up an interesting question, though, which a uh, somebody on Twitter posed earlier. If Kenny Payne gets ejected from a game, who's standing up and moving to the end of the bench? Well, I, that's why I said let's rotate it, and who just so it just happens to fall on whoever is that that day. Like so, game whoever one, did the game plan, 
they get to be the the head coach. Whoever did the uh, the scout for that particular game. I think it should be like musical chairs. Like if he happens to get thrown out in the day that they, you know that that Milt, Milt, Milt's sitting there in the first chair, then he gets to be it, vice or or Danny or whomever or Nolan. I mean, it's got to be Manning. It has to be Manning. He's been a head coach before. He's been doing this you longer than anybody. Nolan was only a full time assistant for one year at Duke. Milt was is never even been an associate head coach. He's been kind of the, the been, third guy on the totem pole wherever he's barely gone. Barely been an assistant. I mean, if we're being honest, yeah, th- you're, mean, you're not wrong. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it would have to be Manning. But I mean, yes. no one wants to be a head coach. He's clearly people think he's going to be a great head coach one day. Maybe you want him to cut his chops a little bit. I wonder. I wonder if there was like kind of a thing where like they were gonna let no, they were gonna put it, put it on Nolan, but like Manning wanted it. Man, it was more Manning was like, I'm gonna take this assistant job. You know, I, I, I want the I want that title. Like it meant more to him possibly knowing that. I don't know. I don't want to say slumming it, but I mean he's. You know, it's got to be hard after being head coach at a, a, you know at Wake Forest, a Power Five conference. You know, Granny did take the the Maryland job, but even as I coached last year at Maryland, you know he's you know he's got, he going back to assistant ranks full time. I think he'd maybe feel more comfortable and cozy. Yes, with that title, I agree. Than that. Nolan would. Nolan's like, you know what? I'll fall on the sword. Speaking of Nolan Smith, via Brett Dawson, um, he says Louis, he says Nolan Smith's Louisville contract has not been finalized, but according to his offer letter, which was required via an open records request. He's set to earn a $400,000 base salary and is also going to receive $500 a month for a car stipend. Like I, so you know, Jeff Goodman, when he reported this, said... Like to rent the car or gas? I <laughs> $500 car stipend. I'm, just, I'm reading you what it says. And I'm just curious. I'm just wondering. You know, Jeff Goodman had said Louisville, quote-unquote, broke the bank to get Nolan Smith. And the figure that had been tossed out there a bunch was he was going to be paid over a million dollars a year. Yeah. This is significantly less than that. I don't know if this is... What's well, 500 times 12? What? You take the stipend plus, you know. Well, that's not part of his base salary. That's oh, what, that's okay. what I'm talking about. I got you. I, and maybe Goodman meant, I, I, you know, this is via Dawson. Who knows how many bonuses, potential bonuses are in that contract or if the, the media portion of his deal is going to add more mm-hmm. and put him around a million dollars. Usually but, it does. Yeah, but this is, you know, it's, it's not a million dollars. I mean, usually, yeah, it's the it's the side deals that where the coaches make the most money, whether it be head or yes. even, or, I, I, I mean, not really many assistants probably get, I mean, how many, I mean, how many assistant coaches do you see on in commercials? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, have you ever seen one in any? I mean, I'm sure maybe there are somewhere locally, somewhere, but never here. Yeah, Dawson does say bonuses are not included in the offer letter. They are to be agreed upon and finalized in Smith's employment contract, according to the offer lever, uh, letter. I mean, it is Did you say lever letter. It, it is an upgrade. In case you were wondering, the highest paid assistant on Chris Mack's staff was Mike Begeese, who was making three forty k. So, I mean, we remember the bonus crap they gave them. We, I mean, he got knocked up to five hundred when he became the interim head coach. Yeah, and then he had some. Yeah, his incentive contract. Remember, we went over it. Was just not good. It was, yeah, it was, it was kind of a, a, a disappointing in Louisville. Uh, Duke's is Duke a private school. Uh, yes. Okay, so we don't know how much he made last year as an assistant. There were reports. I saw this earlier actually, which was interesting to me that he was making three hundred forty k. At Duke, which is the same as Mike McGee's last year as the associate right, yeah. coach, but I mean that was his first year as an assistant, and he was kind of the the low man on on the totem pole. I mean, John Shire was was Coach K's top assistant, yeah. obviously. This was the first time that no one had been promoted to the full time level, so it's not. Who knows? Maybe this is Duke trying to you know, float rumors to the reporters, the big media out there in college basketball circles, to make it seem like well, the only reason you, Louisville 
lowly Louisville right now could take a assistant away from from John Shire and Duke <laughs> is to to break the bank and offer him twice as much as he was making. And it's like no, not really. It's 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 a slight upgrade. Who would you choose to give the more money to if you had to pick one of the two between Manning and Smith? I'd pay him the same. I think they're equally important for different reasons. Okay. I think Nolan is not an option. Gotta, I would pay one just even a little more, a thousand, hundred thousand more a year. Man, one's getting six, one's getting five. I'd pay Nolan slightly more because he was employed at Duke, and whereas Danny Manning was unemployed. Basically, I'm not saying you could lowball him, but you know he's he was at Maryland. They got rid of the entire staff when Kevin Willard came over, so he's kind of a free agent. Okay. Like you're luring somebody away, you might have to offer him a little bit more than you would if he would, you know. I'm sure Danny Manning had other options. I'm sure he would have landed on another power conference staff, but he wasn't at Duke. And all indications were that John Shire wanted to keep Nolan Smith around. So that's that's my answer there. But as far as like importance, I think they're equally important for different reasons. Yeah, because I, I was, I, I'm not saying that that I'm that I'm pigeonholing either one into this scenario. But like when I look at them, I see Manning as the X and, X and O assistant, where I see Smith as the recruiter. And if that's the case, then then if you're gonna if I ask you that's the question and you do it with that mindset, that's kind of where you're. When I look at it, it's like, do you do you give a preference to the recruiting or to the X and O side of things? I think they're equally important. And I think they you gotta are, have both. And, and there's preference though. Someone may think the X and O thing's a little more important. I would give them more, and vice versa. And, you know, teach his own. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Texas, no, that's not the same. Petco Park is downtown. The Chargers played at the Murph until a few years ago. The Chargers are dead, you know. They fell off a cliff and died on impact. I still call them San Diego Chargers sometimes, too. Uh, I did look it up. Yeah, the, the, the actual stadium was destroyed last year, but they stopped playing there in 03. So it has been has been a while. It's almost 20 years since they played. And I always just thought they just kept changing the name on it. Like Comiskey. Like the new, what I still call yeah, it. I do too. I still call that the new Kaminsky because I actually went to the. I've been to both old and new Kaminsky Park yet, never been to Wrigley, which is odd. But I went to New Kaminsky when it was when it was built in like the early nineties, like the second year it was around, and that's sound that that is the exact same stadium I believe the White Sox play in, just under like its third uh, cell phone name though. Hmm. I think it's now Singular Cellular I, I, that, Cricket. That's right, yeah. Uh, Texas, Mr. Chronicle, second semester of law school final starts next week. I've been studying all day. How many beers have I earned tonight? Well, not tonight, man. You got to. So he's going to the second year of law school? No, second semester of law school final start next week. Okay. I hold off on the significant drinking until. Well, I mean, you do whatever you want to do, but I would hold off until you actually finish the finals. When you do finish that second semester of law school and your 1L is complete, it is like an all time celebration day. Unless you're one of those savants like Peter who just plays the piano better drunk. Yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> I, can't, I get worse at everything when I drink, and then I'm oh, I'm so the hangovers right. knock me out of commission for the next day. So I, I have been. I can't, told, I'm the worst person to ask that question. To. I, am, I am better picking up ladies drunk. At least, at least that's what I feel like I am. Then again, everybody thinks that. Yeah, are. I'm a little smoother, I think. Uh, but yeah, the second semester when you finish the your finals for the second semester of that first year, which is the only year I made it for. So I've got no frame of reference for the yeah, next really. two years. But I do have friends that did make it through law school. But it's an all-time great feeling. By it's the, wonderful. By the way, update, uh, even though you didn't notice, because I do have a different cup, Arby's was day four today. My God. And there was a text, I think, that came in right at the end of the text line that I, I wanted to reply to, but I didn't see it until about 9.30 at night, and I didn't want to reply that late to somebody, was that, no, the, te- the, the Taco Bell girl slash guy did not ch- get fired and moved to Arby's. It's he's still like, there. He's as far as I know. I haven't seen him at Taco Bell recently. Somebody, oh, somebody posted on Twitter a few days ago. Like I think it was last week actually that they, they, went. they went there. And he's he was still there. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still, still doing his thing. But yeah, the last two times I've been there, he was not there. Unfortunately, 
Texas, happy Easter, Mike and Trevor. This is the only U of L show that this UK fan will listen to. Keep Thank up you. the great work and stay blessed. Thanks. Thank you, Texas. I like to appreciate that. Yeah. Much appreciated. Do you want to hear about your new job? Yes, I would love to hear about my new job. This was a story, I think it was three days ago in the New York Post. That's where the job fair ended yesterday. You and I have already decided that we need to get into the search firm slash consultant business. Oh, yeah, yeah. If, that, if not politics, that, yes. Hire me and Trevor to pick out your next head coach, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to Twitter search who the fans want. Mm-hmm. We're going to sit on our asses for like a month, and then we're going to tell you to hire the guy that the fans want. Mm-hmm. And we're going to ask you to pay us $500,000 for that service. Maybe 450 And vague. Well, no, we don't, I don't budge on that. Have some respect for yourself. <laughs> self-respect is key in this business. You're never going to make it if you don't have self-respect. <laughs> consultant. I love the vague consultant title because consultant can mean anything. You, you know, Pay me $500,000 to... you know guide you through this process or it's like i get paid five bucks to talk to my friends about who they shouldn't date like it's it's a vague title if either of those jobs fall through for us i have what we're doing next there is a woman i'm assuming there are more people who have done this but this woman gets paid ten thousand dollars by rich parents in new york to name their children to name their kids to name their kids She's getting somebody's paying somebody ten grand to name their kids. Somebody is paying this person ten grand to name their kids, and so I said I'm in the biz. And somebody tweeted me immediately and was like, "I'm having a kid next month. Help me out." And I said, "Ted, boom, I'll have my secretary email you about quarterly payments." Is this full name or just first name? Just Ted. Look, if you want the full name, it's going to cost you a little bit extra. <laughs> you get like a discount for a, for a package deal for all three names. So let it be I guess known. The last name's pretty given, I suppose. Everyone listening to this show, if you are about to have kids, if you want to have kids at some point in the future, Trevor and I will name your child for $20,000. I mean, We're extra, better than this woman in New York. I'll tell you that right extra now. Extra 10 when a picture. I might help conceive. Rothaniel. <laughs> Rothaniel. <laughs> I just watched Jerry Carmichael's, Gerard Carmichael's special. I'm just, Fantastic. I'm just, wherever I answer the phone, I'm just going to name something I see around, like, highlight. <laughs> Here's something that we highlight can Arby's Anderson <laughs> done. Feel the chill Thorntons. <laughs> That's what's on my cup. Uh, boombox. Boombox Rutherford. That's actually a cool name. <laughs> we have a boombox mic who listens to the show. Yeah, I mean, there you go. Napkin. <laughs> Double roast beef. <laughs> um, here, here, and the segue to the next thing, maybe Timmy time. Oh, well, we only have like three minutes to talk. So, but the Kentucky fans manifesting, I, I did get admittedly nervous when I saw Matt Jones tweet out like Timmy time both and a picture during that interview with Keith too. Yeah. A picture of it. Drew Timmy. And I was like, Oh my God, no, no. <laughs> yeah. And apparently this is just Kentucky fans trying to manifest this because Timmy has entered the NBA draft. The, the, the note that he did put on social media kind of made it seem like he's not going back to Gonzaga. It's either I'm going to the pros or I'm going somewhere else. Why would he? Like he thanked Gonzaga, but there was no sort of like, I'm, he didn't make any mention of I'm retaining my college eligibility, even though he is, um, which you'd think he would do if it was even possible for him to come back to Gonzaga for another year. He was year. a senior last year, right? Sophomore last year. I, I, well, he's got two years of eligibility. That's all I know. Maybe it's just because I just, I mean, he just looks We like, recruited going out of, of high school. Maybe it's because he looks like other, every 6'10 white dude that plays against Zaga. Maybe that's why I'm thinking he's been there forever. Yeah, he was a junior this past year. He okay. has two years of eligibility remaining with the extra COVID year. So he could go to UK or Louisville or wherever and play two seasons if he wanted to. Okay. But he's, I think he's 21. Like he probably wants, I mean, 
Even if it's not in the NBA, he, probably, he might just no, want to start a professional career. He's a, I think his skill set, He's a, now whether he'd be a good NBA player is another debate, but I believe with his skill set, he is a first-round pick in the NBA. You think? I would could see that. He's yeah. not projected pretty much anywhere. Really? Yeah. I could see him. I would I wouldn't be surprised if somebody didn't take him late in the, in the 20 to 20 in the 20 in the 30 area when you're winning teams looking for a for an added piece. We'll see. I All might right. be wrong though. Then I mean I don't watch much as much of the NBA as I used to. So. All right, we've just got a couple minutes left here. We'll try to run through. We've made somebody mad. <laughs> just one. First time he's texted in the show. They've texted in the show. Ooh, ooh, I've so heard you know they're mad. on top of it. I've lived in Louisville since 2008, but I'm from the Cleveland area. <laughs> you can say what you want to about Cleveland, fine, but Louisville sports talk and the fan base is extremely bush league. Ah, here, here's the th- here's the thing, Texter. You're from Cleveland. That means you like LeBron. You have no spine. I couldn't tell you one thing about Cleveland sports talk. I, I don't know one media member from Cleveland. I can't criticize it or give it any praise. Mark Madsen? That's not true. <laughs> Except for the guys. I just pissed off. If, if I take it back. The guys in the video from the NFL draft that are going nuts when they got Johnny Manziel and who are like screaming to like thanking God and like high-fiving everybody because they thought Manziel was going to save the Browns. Those guys, clearly they're not Bush League. Fantastic judges of talent there. I like That's Bernie, the only thing I know about Cleveland sports media. I like media. Bernie Kosar. Is he in the media Same. there? Well, Frank Menefield, Louisville boy. Yeah, there you go. Uh, by the way, Mark Madsen is the giant, giant Steelers media guy. So that was kind of a joke. Who? Mark Madsen. Steelers? He's a, he's a Steelers guy, yeah. He's a, he's a Steelers oh, radio right. guy. He's, a, he's annoying as, as all get out, too. He's a, a waste of good breath on America. Texas, have we addressed Trevor's new girl at Arby's? No. Nope. No. Uh, Texas says, I just remember. It's all about the meats, not about the, the about the, the lady, ladies. I just remember Bobby Pettiford is a national champion. Does that championship technically go to us now? Sure. Who? What? Bobby Pettiford, who was signed to play here. We kind of forced him out. He went to Kansas. Didn't play at all this year, but uh, limited minutes. But he did win a national title. Okay. Sure. That's fine. All right. Uh, we're up. <laughs> apologies to all the texts we didn't get to. Once again, we did a bad job of getting all. But it, no apologies to Cleveland. In? No apologies to Cleveland. No, no apologies to Cleveland. None whatsoever. No, except for the Drew Carey show. I did enjoy that. If you if you are if you are you from Cleveland, you have to like the Drew Carey show. No, you don't. <laughs> apologies to all the texts I didn't get to about uh, people asking about Danny's thoughts on Danny Manning coming in my podcast co-host. That's the first thing I kind of thought of when, uh, when I did. saw that. I, I got more the fact that. This many people, Louisville fans, reacted to like this guy that I've known my whole life who's just, I mean, if you knew him personally, he's just as goofy as he sounds on the podcast. The fact that they reacted to this news by thinking about him just made me so happy. I've listened he's to, very happy. I've only listened to one Cardinal Card Chronicle podcast, and like at least six times during it, you talked about Danny Manning. He's, hey, we talked about <laughs> it more. So New episode <laughs> dropped today if you want to check it out. We talk about Danny Manning hey, a lot. Listen once at least. Everybody have a fantastic <laughs> weekend. Enjoy your Easter if you're celebrating. We're going to see you on Monday. Hopefully, more recruiting talk, more fun stuff. We're getting into the heart of April, the heart of the offseason. Cardinal baseball, get a couple W's in Tallahassee this weekend. Let's make that happen. Reds, you suck. I hate you. Get over it. Everybody have a fantastic weekend. We'll see you guys Monday, 3 o'clock. It's making me crazy.